Previously on Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Hi, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathes. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Vitrificus Totalis. So Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educating. <laughs> Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? <laughs> I want to say that... Chief, like, please, I can't... Don't... You have to say only good things. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love... I'm not going to say... Love I am scene. not made of stone. I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know. <laughs> My question was, when do they eat dinner? You have to picture he's in the shower, and he's staring down, and he's just like, this is it. <laughs> He's having a little conversation with his friend. <laughs> Today, I become a man. And then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. I yes. don't think he said it like that. Oh, yes, he did. He gasped it I out. Think, I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. No, that like completely ruined my mental manly image. He's beating his chest. <laughs> he's ravaging her. Not, no, he's not. not. Yes. He's a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, no, no. We don't think that. You think that. Do you own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, Vicodin. Nice! I love him oh. and he's good and we're going to find out he's good, and, and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it. So, and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh, and it's hysterical <laughs> to me. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. Well, I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. What happens is as people get older, their eyebrows fall off and they don't come back. Oh, I love the social intercourse so married. It gets me so excited for the guy I married. This is like the Manhattan Project. Superman is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay. The Superman is not Moses. Moses Here's depended on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do that, Moses the guy that was lost in the Moses. desert for like 40 years? That just okay. not fire confidence and crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wayne. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wayne. I swear to God, Ryan, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Jen got pregnant on a boat. You know how hard it would be to impregnate yourself on a boat? Don't take offense to this, guys. You guys are the most dysfunctional group of people. These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. I just, I just kicked my dog in the head. And now, Potterfick Weekly. For Tuesday, September 30th, 2008. This is episode 58 of Potterfick Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. 
again a podcast quite like this one that brought us together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Chief, by the way, I love your post in the forum last week. I'm in the middle of podcasting. How's everybody doing? I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I looked in here, did you? Oh, I hate my roommate. Some days. Hold did on. she kill your cat? Her cat has taken the biggest dump. Well, we are explicit. Right in the middle of my bathtub. I'm so tired of cleaning up shit. Thank God I recorded that. I sound like the worst combination of Kansas and North Carolina possible. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with North Carolina or Kansas. Just the two when put together. Are you saying that my voice is annoying? I would... Never. My voice isn't annoying. Renya just sent me a thing saying, I'm sorry, I'm back, I'm ready. So we'll, we'll tell her we've been podcasting for three straight hours and uh, we have to start over because she just got here. Renya? Except Renya. that it won't work because you just said that. I know, Renya was unfortunately <laughs> in the room, so that did not work. Oh, was she already in the conference? Yeah, yeah you have to I watch it. not okay. a part of it, Renya. <laughs> and, welcome back to, and welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. <laughs> Do you know that you always say, and welcome, ooh, and welcome, like every <laughs> Am I the only one who laughs and notices? Uh, Jen, every time I, I hear them say that, I'm like, what, were you just coming back from commercial break? I, there was no commercial. <laughs> I know. Welcome back to Puffwa. Ryan speaking. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm Rinna. Oh. Hey, hold the phone now. I want to get this straight, okay? It's Ryan, Jen, Chi, Renna. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> what I love is that every time Renna comes back, she's like, Renna! Yeah, I know! <laughs> Chi, technically, I am the peon because Ryan fired me. I did not <laughs> fire you! Oh, oh. I suggested Rinna you spend more time with your family. I did not fire you. Jen is not the podcast I didn't even get compensation never, pay. Wait. No. Okay. No. Seriously. From now on, it's Ryan, Chi, Rena, and then whoever guest host, and then Jen. Oh. <laughs> I just love how you like laid the guilt on so thick on Ryan. Hi, I'm Bob, King of Squirrels, and I'm Jen. <laughs> I love and that. And you could play like the dumb, 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 and be like, I like I'll be like Eeyore. I did yeah, not fire you. Thanks for noticing me. Yeah. Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> All right. You know what? There's only one way to settle this. Ryan speaking. Everyone else say hi in alphabetical order. Hi. Wait, am I Chi or Katie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm last. Whoa, wait, wait a second. Your name's wait, Katie. Wait, am I last? <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is Katie? <laughs> wait, you do it alphabetical by last. first name, then it would be is- Aaron, and then Aaron, and then... <laughs> Alright, we definitely have yeah. to call her Rinna, because this whole Aaron, Aaron thing is not working yeah. for me. So you're Rinna. <laughs> 
Don't call Besides, yourself. If I came on the podcast and introduced myself as Aaron, nobody would know who I am. <laughs> well, here's the thing: if she introduces herself as Katie Stove, who the hell is going to know? Stevie, 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 Stevie. So you already Stop. remember we had the podcast where she griped about how no one pronounced her name right. Welcome back we to Puffwa, Ryan speaking. Hi, my name is Jen. <laughs> Lady Chi here. Anna <laughs> is in the house. Hi, I'm Aaron. Doesn't he sound like he's on the Making a Match.com video? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron, and I enjoy long walks on the beach. <laughs> Crossword and puzzle. Pub nesting and talking incessantly about, you know, fictional characters. Swing dancing. Don't forget the swing dancing. Swing dancing. Yes. I'm not a fan swing of swing dancing. dancing. Occasionally we eat snakes. All right. Now, I, I want to try and do something I haven't done before on Parfait Weekly. I'd like to go, before we start our discussion of the chapters tonight, I would like to go head-to-head with Jen, if I could. Jen, how bad was your day? <laughs> My mom was driving today. Well, it's, it's not that exciting. She was driving today, and she was behind a big lumber truck thing. And apparently they didn't, you know, strap the lumber down very well, and so the lumber fell out, and, like, she almost died. Oh. But she's oh my god! Do you have any idea? That is like my biggest fear. It is well, it's very big and popular in in. I know. I remember in Arkansas seeing those big log trucks, but yes. they're not popular here. Like here, it's it's actually like pre-cut lumber. It's not those big Uh-oh. logs. But it was those logs, and like sh- if she hadn't swerved, it would have like gone through her windshield. Like that's really scary. Can I just say how nervous I am right now? I was editing the season finale of season one, the the Puffwa season one, like the seven hour episode that was the best moments of of all the first season. And this is right, right. when Rena, when a tornado sucked up Rena's town, and she was living in a ditch. This and I'm like, listening to the first and season, I, and feel for which, you. And we're doing, like, episode six, and Ren is like, man, the one thing that terrifies me even more than anything else is tornadoes. I'm like, because <gasps> I know that was right before the war. <laughs> and now Ren is like, you know what? The one thing that terrifies me is getting hit in the head with a log. And now I'm like, Ren, don't drive on the highway. Do not drive on the highway. Well, are, log- are there many log trucks up in the Boston area? <laughs> no, Jen, there are very few log trucks in the Boston area. Well, do you know what I'm talking about, Ren? Like, in Arkansas, they're very calm. Like, they're very calm. They're I don't know where they're going. I don't know where they're going. Jen <laughs> pulls up things. next to them. Where are you taking the logs? But I always, <laughs> I know what Rena means. I know what Rena means, though, because I remember driving next to those semis and stuff, and like they yeah. were in this big. And I'm like, what happens it's if like, like one of those? It's trees. Like, it's basically like big trees. It's trees. Yeah. That are Billy that have been cut down and have the branches stripped off of them. And Final it, destination. Yeah, yeah, it's like that, and exactly. they yes. just kind of put them on a truck, and then they wrap a big band around them. But there's nothing in the back to keep the logs from. So when they fall, they all go together and really kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically, <laughs> and it's really bad because where I moved from in Mountain View, you know, there were a lot of trucks like that around, and we lived in a really hilly, mountainous kind of area, and so. I was always terrified that I was going to get stuck behind one on an uphill climb mm-hmm. and that out. something was going to fall out of it and kill me. All right. The one thing that concerns me more than the fact that Rinna predicts what's going to get her next and she's now afraid of getting hit with the log, which is a very puffable way to go. 
Like, if you're going to go, you need to get crushed by a giant log. But the one thing that concerns me is when Jen told the story about how the logs fell at her mother and her mother had to take evasive maneuvers. Right before that, she said, oh, it's not a very eventful story. It's not very interesting. And then she's like, my mother had to take evasive action because logs flew at her. So, Jen, I think you're getting desensitized to the weirdness. I just need to tell I think, you. Oh, please no, tell I me that she said that before she moved. She's like, oh, God, evasive action. <laughs> <laughs> She is a Star Trek fan. I mean, it's possible. Jen, do Let's call Jen's mom right here on the podcast. And say, Mom, can you say evasive action? Let me call her real quick. Jen, is mom there? Cool. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Cool. My mom is actually on her way to the studio, so she'll be here in a few minutes. We'll do a live interview with Jen's mom. That'll be live. Yes. Now, my story was not nearly as exciting as Jen's log story. Now, at work... (laughs) At lunch, I like to walk around the grounds where my office is located. So I, I wear my little, I have the windbreaker that has the logo on it, and I took a walk all around, and I'm waving to the people, and uh, I look like I'm is running. Is it because for... there's wind? There's lots of wind at yes, your work? Jen, that, so I wear and a windbreaker. Yes. yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. So I'm wearing the little windbreaker as I'm doing uh, doing my thing, and I'm waving, and I'm, I'm out there, and I'm walking, and I'm very visible. Pulling a Barack Obama. I'm pulling right. a Barack Obama. It's like, yes, it's like I'm <laughs> Barack Obama. I've got Michelle Obama with me, which is awkward, and you because know, we walk all around. Because you're not Barack. Because I'm is not she Barack Obama. Five? Yes, she's as well. Okay. <laughs> Can I just tell you that Je- uh, we have to tell I'm Jen story? for the other guy. Sorry. Any- anyway, when I told her to, and then anyway, when I get back to my office, I'm in the end of my office, and no one go outside. Someone's threatened to shoot us. I'm like, what the hell? Because someone was apparently disgruntled and threatened to shoot people at my place of work, and the police arrested them. Everything's fine. But they're like, whatever you do, don't go outside. I'm walking around, like, oh, waving oh. and hugging people. As we jump into our podcast, before we have an interview with Jen's mother, I would. Just, I think we should do, you know, a political story of the week as we go into our election season. Jen, will you please tell the story of the customer who walked into your store and announced how they were going to vote in the presidential election? Okay. They were like, which are you going to vote for, Hillary or Obama? This is for the general <laughs> election. This is after the <laughs> primary. Like after, I was like, um, I think the other guy. They were like, who? <laughs> like, they were totally clueless. They had no idea that both of those were Democrats. I was like, you're an idiot. I was just shocked that Jen knew both of those were Democrats. I work in a nursing home. <laughs> I work at a nursing home, and you have not lived until you've tried to discuss politics with 90-year-old women. Oh, my lord. They started the conversation with me because they had, like, Fox News on. And I was kind of laughing because it's Fox News. And um, and I'm conservative, and I still think Fox News is funny from time to time. Although Bill O'Reilly, oh, makes me so mad I can't see straight when he's on TV. Anyway, so they're watching Bill O'Reilly on Fox News, and, and Maxine's all... Who are you going to vote for? And I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. Because, like, she was talking to me about health care and stuff. Yeah. Ralph Nader. Yeah, I told her I was going to vote for, um, oh, who's the libertarian candidate? Um, Burr Barr. his name. Yeah, Barr, 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 I'm voting for Cynthia McKinney because she's the voice of reason. Jen I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna write. Um, uh-huh. I'm gonna write. Uh-huh. I don't know what you're talking about. Name. You know what? My dad. My dad, honest to God, told me he's like, I hope McCain picks Mitt Romney as his vice president. 
a candidate. And I told, I looked at him, I said, Live from the Butterfit Weekly Studios in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm Ryan from the future. I'm Chi from the future. And I'm Mage Keza. Keza is usually Keza from the future, but we are so far in the future. Keza is officially a mage. We would like to just cut in. Now, as we go forward into Parfic Weekly, you're going to notice that this episode is a little out of dated. date. It's a little dated. Uh, we make references to the fact that we don't know who Barack Obama's running mate will be. We don't know who John McCain's running mate will be. We make several references to the Soviet Union, and I'm not going to lie to you. I think we still think it's in existence when this episode was actually recorded. So we just wanted to <laughs> chime in to let you know Yes, we know. I know that Joe Biden was selected as Barack Obama's running mate. I was actually in the woods when it happened, and I cheered, and I had a laptop over my head, and there were crickets, and I think I was chased by a badger, and I was very, 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 very excited that it wasn't Voldemort, basically, because I was kind of fearing that... The <laughs> he was very concerned I that was. was going to be the... Yeah. I was. Now, I know, I know Lady Chi over here was Are hoping... you sure that's not Voldemort? It's... I... I Joe Biden is actually not Voldemort. We have looked into that. We have, aside from oh, one minor okay. wheelchair incident, there, there has I, Joe Biden's running a really flawless campaign so far. I feel very reassured. <laughs> He's doing a fabulous job. Yeah, I just want to say this too. You know, I am here as the Joe Biden fanboy, and Lady Chi over here is here as the Sarah Palin fangirl. Keza, Mage Keza, is here because she is Australian, and that is cool. And that is very cool. <laughs> now, Chi, you are very excited. Sarah Palin, very excited. Very excited. Very excited. Very excited. Yes, she, maybe she did come out today and mock Joe Biden for being old, even though John McCain is six years older than Joe Biden is. But you know what? I I respect your right to be excited because my running mate did make fun of disabled people. So if if we're talking about faux pas, you know, not knowing who the president was during the Great Depression is just a little bit of a faux pas. I don't know who it is. Who was it? FDR took over right after the Great Depression. It's in the same zone. Sarah Palin was asked a question. Something about the the bailout on Wall Street, and all of a sudden she's talking yeah. about healthcare reform and one in five trade jobs lost, and she's just flying out there. She doesn't know where the hell she is. But anyway, that's all right because we are both very excited. We should do like a dueling match for the. We should debate with the lightsabers. That would what? be awesome. Joe Biden so kicking her ass. I don't know about that. I think I think Sarah Palin has the power of the dark side and could like shoot electricity out so of her fingers. You have one hour. Sarah yeah. Palin is Voldemort. Because <laughs> I, I am thrilled. I am. I am. I am thrilled. <laughs> I, I've been watching this with a bit of interest. I met an American on Sunday. And she was very excited that I actually knew something about the um, American election. She was like, oh, like looking at me like I was like weird because I knew about it. And I'm like, oh, I'm smart. And <laughs> I am. I know stuff. <laughs> and um, so I was watching this Sarah Palin thing, right? And I think that she just, she told us that she can see Russia from her house. That she might have been a little bit of hyperbole. She did say that she is an Alaskan and was keeping an eye on Russia for the rest of us. Given the, the current situation with Russia being all, oh, we're not the former Soviet Union except for when we want to have a pipeline into Georgia and then we act just like the former Soviet Union. Like that, I mean, that that's, a, that's know, an okay but, statement but, to make. But here's the thing. Sarah Palin isn't armed. What is she really going to do? She's with she's like a binoculars. Sarah is armed. She's gonna get in her helicopter and. Oh, sorry, I can't say. 
That would be highly inadvisable. She has a gun. She's going to get in her helicopter and take him out like a moose. And Putin has big enough fears that she probably could. All right, all right, all right. I see this is going to end badly for all involved. (laughs) Before we leave, because I have to get Chi's microphone to be turned off before she embarrasses herself. Keza, on behalf of Australia, besides the Russian thing, do you have anything you would like to add or anything you would like to put the Australian stamp of approval on? Globally speaking, right, America's like the leader of the free world. So whoever's the leader of the country is like really, really important. Even to like the little people like down under because our prime minister will go oh look at him i want to be in his pocket and be his little puppet so it's really important that the person that's got to pull the strings for australia is a good guy i'm sure john mccain is fantastic but i'm really not that thrilled with sarah palin because she seems to think that she can keep an eye on russia like i'm thinking is she going to try and build a bridge to you know that she can walk over there every day checking them to how you doing russia hope you're doing okay you're not going to like do anything bad you know all so, i can say keza is whatever you do do not ask sarah palin if she was planning to build a bridge it's it, it, yeah, it's we're going to conclude our little trip from the future here and get back into the podcast we haven't been asleep at the wheel we actually have been paying attention and much more on that in upcoming episodes, including the moment where she and I just beat the crap out of each other right there on the podcast. It's going to be quite fun. Um, if you're interested in, in, in more political debate, um, there is a thread at www.potterfickforum.com. If you go to our Muggle London section, there's a religion and politics thread, and Ryan and I have been live blogging all of the debates, which kind of turns into both of us trying to beat each other up with very large frying pans. But it's extremely amusing if you are into that sort of thing, and I would suggest that you follow it. We have very substantive existential discussions on, you know, the origins of religion and politics. Well, everyone else does. I just pop in, <laughs> bitch about Sarah Palin, and then leave. So it's it's working very well for everybody right there in that one little thread. And I just want to say to Keza, you know, if, if she's going after Russia, she, she, she will be going after Australia next. So, you know, just... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Time to go. All right, Ryan from the future out. Uh, Chief from the future out. Mage Kizza out. If he picks Mitt Romney for his vice presidential candidate, I'm going to have to move to Canada because there's going to no. be nothing for me here. Okay, so I actually <laughs> said today to someone, if McCain, I have a McCain bumper sticker on my car. If he votes, if he picks Mitt Romney as his running mate, it, you know, I, I, I am voting for Barack Obama. If he picks Voldemort as his running mate, I will put an Obama Voldemort bumper sticker <laughs> on my car. I am not serious. <laughs> wow. And I will want. I will run on a death to mudblood platform <laughs> if Mitt Romney is John McCain's running mate. I'm just right now. Sorry. I have like Diet Coke coming out of my nose. It's well, terrible. On that note, why don't we jump into the chapters? Whether we re- we're doing a uh, show that never ends, we're doing the final chapters of that, and we're doing the top three chapters of Hero with a Thousand Faces. Did I get the names of either of these fix right? Does anyone know? Yeah, the show that never ends. Right? Yeah. What did uh-huh. I say? This? Did I say the show that never ends? That, yep. Yeah, the show that never ends. Now, just to ask, this is Lady Lady Chi. We had her on a little bit in the last podcast, but then Rena, you know, cut her body in half, and Aaron fell asleep, and it, it, it didn't work well. <laughs> last night, you and I were you were reading what I was reading, and we were exchanging comments, and you said what you right. thought, and I said I said you were an idiot, and you said bite me, and I I hit you on the line. It was right. awful conversation. It got it got very nasty. It did. There now, was yeah. Yes. Okay. So you're now on Perfect Weekly. You know the microphone's on. You know, catch us right. up. What do you think? 
Is this my test to see if I actually read the chapters? It really is. <laughs> I'm like, it's, gee, I want to know what you think of Adam the Butler. <laughs> I was like, he's like, I, he, he told me that yesterday. He's like, I'm going to ask you what you think of Adam. And I looked at him, and I, well, I didn't look at him because Ryan wasn't sitting right there. But I was like, Adam's a character in After the End. He's not a character in Paradigm of Uncertainty. You can't fool me. I'm like, what do you think <laughs> um, of Napoleon? He was a wonderful was- military commander. Like, I'm like, gee, <laughs> No, um, I have to say I was amused because um, I'm not sure how many of our listeners know, um, but as of May 2008, I've become a little obsessed with this show called Doctor Who, and Uh. um, (laughs) just a little bit obsessed by a little bit. I mean, like, uh, a lot. Um, And (laughs) there's all sorts of Doctor Who references in here, and uh, there's there's a mythology reference that I thought was kind of cute. Um... So that was kind of enjoyable for me. I thought overall the writing style was uh, – the writing style and the content didn't quite match up for me. In other words, I thought the writing style was a little bit juvenile for the content that she was presenting. Um, but at the same you – know, and there's a couple times where she broke the fourth wall and that always makes me want to pull my eyes out of my sockets with my bare hands. Um, but overall, I mean – like the story is kind. I mean, it's an interesting story. Um, I kind of wish some things had been done differently, but at the same time, I can. I mean, this is the first major fanfic, so things that I kind of expect, kind of, you know, the norms of of how you do things wasn't really set in stone yet. Um, so I can kind of forgive those sorts of things. I'm not a big fan of like this particular genre, like, aside from the ship, because I'm not a big fan of Harry and Hermione, but I could buy it in this story because of the way that it was set up. The the genre of this fic is kind of like, um, it's kind of what I call Harry is a demigod, and that kind of, that never goes over well for me, because I think Harry's much more interesting when he's ordinary. So when he got those powers taken away from him, that kind of kind of drew that me back a into the story. Yeah, that was so, a good thing because I remember thinking when I was reading the chapters, like there's points in the story where what Laurie does very well is when when she when she gets a theme going, she is very repetitious with that theme to really drill, you know, into your mind what these characters are going through. You know, if Harry is sick for a very long time, she writes Harry being sick for a very long time. So we see Hermione right. caring for Harry day in and day out and day in and day out and you're like oh my god poor Hermione she must be exhausted and after a while you realize you've been reading the same scene for three hours and you're exhausted so it's yeah, like you're feeling exactly. it with her but, so there's there were points with um, Harry and this is last week's stuff but when Harry uh, was turning into Harry 2 and when he would become evil bastard and you know kick Hermione when she was mourning her grandmother and you know when he would break the sky open to end the rain you're like okay this is getting old and it was getting old but then it, it ended and she moved on to some else so i was very glad to see that go away too because i i i just find it really boring when harry can snap his fingers and like pluto explodes (laughs) like like, why why would you need to do that but that that thankfully that wasn't a huge part of this story i joke about another fic which i i i want it was a trilogy and i wanted to make sure i would enjoy the whole thing before i started reading it so i jumped to a scene at the end of like the third 
thick, and it was Harry literally battling, you know, the wind gods or something, and he, like, breaks the earth in half, and Dumbledore is literally like, oh, my, as he backs away from Harry. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. But luckily, uh, Super Duper Mage Harry was fine, because as we know, he can be beat up by a bunch of muggles because it's against the law to shoot back. Oh my god, that never ceases to amuse me, I have to say. I'm sorry, I know Jen likes to go in order, but I just need to weigh in on this. Okay. As you'll recall, (laughs) back in Paradigm of Uncertainty, the first one, Harry and Hermione are skipping through Hogsmeade holding hands, and they're attacked by a very large muggle. So Hermione tries to shoot him with her wand, and Harry Expelliarmus is her wand, because Laurie, you know, is a seer and could tell that Expelliarmus thing, that's going places. So she put that in her fic, and Harry beats the crap out of him, and it's like Captain Kirk and the Gorn, and they're fighting, and they're rolling, and they're punching, and they're biting, and they're... It takes him like four (laughs) days, but he finally subdues the guy, because we can't use magic, because that wouldn't be fair, because it has to be fair. Because if you're shooting at someone, you know, you have to give them a gun, too, to make it fair. So I was concerned. Then, you know, we move on. And then there's the part where Harry and I'm sorry, where Hermione and Napoleon go to find the Guardian. And they're going through a big cave and there's muggles. And she starts Hermione starts fighting them hand to hand. I'm like, oh, crap. It's the fairness doctrine again. And it turns out there were there was like an ADT alarm system she didn't want to set off. I'm like, okay, good. Alarm system, good. Fairness doctrine, bad. Now, in this, in this, in these chapters, Harry and Hermione and their band of heroes are going to save Ron, who's who's being held against his will in a very small broom closet. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Ron, 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 wait, 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 Ron's dead. I will get to that in a moment. So they're going to get Ron from the. This is why we go in order, Ryan. But this is on my mind that I won't be able to concentrate. So they go to get Ron from the broom closet. And the muggles are shooting, and they blow a hole in Napoleon's chest, and he's, Hermione, I love ah! and he And he goes down for the count, and people are dropping. Dogs are missing. We don't know where they are. And Harry and Hermione are holding each other. And this she's is like, very dramatic. You're ruining it. And she's like, Harry, there's something I always wanted to tell you. And she's like, and he's like, Hermione, you already told me. We're getting married. And she's like, oh, thank God. And they're like, this is it. And they're about, they're finished. And then she's like, Harry, why don't we just shoot them with our wands? And he's like, we can't. It's against the law. We could be fined. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? A light that was a legitimate legal loophole? You can't shoot back? Yeah. There's no self-defense? His other CD provision? hasn't opened yet. They couldn't pay the fine. I'm like, are you, I'm like, are you kidding me? You're about to be killed because we can't shoot back because I may lose my job. Are oh, you kidding please. me? It's with- like humans fighting flies, you can't. You know, they were the flies were killing the humans. They're honor. He's a hero. He's honorable. There are rules. Yeah. It is the yeah. stupidest plot point I've ever no, seen. It's in no, yes, no, it's not. Yes, it's not. That is, that is no, unfair. Male pregnancy yeah. there is worse. far. <laughs> so anyway, I, I want to get the bad. I want to get the. I want to get the, the the criticism out of the way. It's not even criticism. It's like she said. It was just they're they're literally being massacred. And, and Hermione's like, "I must defend us." No, you don't. It's against the law. I'm like, "Oh, sh-. like 
Shoot them! Shoot them! <laughs> like it's just incredible because I didn't think they could. I thought I thought there was some. I'm like, well, they must. Have, there must be some reason they can't shoot them because what kind of a moron would not return fire in self defense? But okay, so that was my one thing that in 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 Lori's universe, the rules against using. I understand you're not allowed to light muggles on fire. I understand you're not allowed to turn them green. But I think when they're in secret military installations that were abandoned in, like, pocket space, and they're shooting at you, you can return fire if they're kidnappers. Just saying. That's my only serious criticism. I want to get that out of the way first, because... You know what? I'm breathing better and I feel better now. So I let's turn of, this over. I want to move on to, like, Deep breaths, Ryan. Serious. Deep breaths. I want to move on to a more serious criticism, and this is of Joe Rowling's canon. I think that Uh-oh. Joe really suffered because she didn't realize that the true reason that Harry is a hero is because of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason everybody wants to make Harry, you know, uh, wants to take care of Harry. Yes. Yeah, yes, the hair. exact quote is, that's what makes people want to take care of him. It's that messy hair. It gives him this little boss boy <laughs> quality. It makes people want to straighten it up for him. And I started laughing. Oh, my God. Ryan thought I was going to die. <laughs> I was like... Well, it's a good point. It's, it is... Well, it's it goes both that. ways. It's actually... A, it's actually a... Because you know what the thing is? When you look at the character of Harry, and, like, like I give Lori so much credit because I love the point in these chapters where Hermione's like, Harry, listen, I know you've had a tough life. I know you have a lot going on, but other people have problems. Because it's literally everything you read in canon, anything you read in any canon-esque fic is everything must be sacrificed for Harry. You know, every, like we have to follow Harry. We will carry Harry's clothes. We will do anything for Harry because he's having such a tough life. We will sacrifice anything and everything for Harry. I love the fact that in this fic, someone actually says, I need to take care of me now. You're on your own. You can do this. Okay, it's but she g- picked, like, the stupidest time in the world to do it. Hello. Yeah. Like- you know what, though? I don't, I, I'm the fight you on that one because I think that you can make an argument. Look what she just went through. Look what she just gave up. It was one of those scenes oh, where she no, out. no, 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 no. It was one of those scenes where literally she just gave away part of her life. She like if like if Theo had said we're giving up the last hour of your life, everyone's like, who the hell cares? I'm probably going to be delirious then anyway. Yeah, you know, where you're giving up the last year of your life. Fine, I'll live to 88 instead of 89. It's worth it. You don't know if she's in the drop dead tomorrow. You don't know if she's in the drop yeah. dead at her wedding. That's a big deal. Yeah. And I was saying this to Chi. No, but let me just say the one thing, too, is like I watch Battlestar Galactica. Everyone knows that. There's a character on there who has cancer. Now, everyone is about. Everyone could be killed tomorrow they're all hanging on by a thread you know it's it's this it's this very dangerous situation and the character finds out she has cancer and she is in charge of all these people and her first thought is the world ended today and all i can think of is oh my god i have cancer i'm gonna die it's very possible she'll be dead with everyone else long before her cancer has a chance together but her life is fixated around the fact that i have cancer so i i totally believe that fact that this is the point where Hermione just has a breakdown and she needs to get it. We don't know where she went. I don't think Lori knows where she went, but she chose that moment. I need to leave. If I see him, I won't be able to, I need to do this for me. I'm going to be much worse off if I don't do it. So I, I absolutely think that was, it was very plausible that Hermione would do that. I think it turned out very badly. And I think that if Hermione, when she got back to, 
to Billy Croft had said, you know what, my thought was not to tell you what this cost me, but I can obviously see it's worse for you now, so I'll tell you now, so then you, because, you know, I miss, people don't do that. People react on emotion, they get pissed, one person says one thing, and then someone else says something else, and then it steamrolls out of control. So I actually thought, actually the scene in the cloister was my favorite scene in, pretty much, in the fic. Yeah, they got trapped in a in a, a recursive little loop there. You know, he couldn't trust her unless she gave the secret, but he she couldn't give the secret, and it just went back and forth. And you know, when you can't, when neither side can budge, that's when the talks break down, and we go to war with uh, uh, China. Yeah, it was incredibly well. We're actually not going to war with China because we did the whole thing in the Olympics. I want to be incredibly clear on that. We are not We're not invading Cambodia. And we are not. Oh, we apologize. Well, Jen, what was the country, too, that you didn't know was a country? Oh, I don't know. Name a few. and. and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard know, a news but... the other day and on the Olympics, and I was like, dude, that's a country? <laughs> oh, and then I was, doing my, I was doing my United States alphabetical song the other day. Uh-huh. I was singing, and I was like, Delaware. Where the fuck is Delaware? <laughs> That's just not a very popular state. Like, I have no idea where it is. And I'm like, is our, I'm like, are they sure it's a state and not a state? Can I just tell you, when Danielle was looking, Danielle is Armenian, so she was looking for Armenia. She was, she was TiVoing, fast-forwarding through the opening ceremony to find Armenia, and she's reading off the names of the countries because they flashed the country that's coming next. At one point, she's like, Canava. I'm like, do you mean Canada, dear? I have a friend who calls Canada Canadia. It's yeah, Canadia. Alright, now I would like to give Jen a chance to respond because Jen loves Paradigm of Uncertainty and she is cringing at she's criticism of Harry's hair. So Jen, please rebut. I am not. I agree. I love that comment. No, you ha- well, I know, but she didn't like it, Jerry. <laughs> That's the difference. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. No, she wasn't being sarcastic. Hold on, I thought that was you being sarcastic. I'm like the anti-Mike. I thought that was you complaining oh. about <laughs> No, I was, oh, she was I saying was it was being- funny. I'm yeah, it was, it was a good description. Oh, I thought you hated. Oh my god! Oh my god! She's hate everything. Okay, no. never mind. Ooh. Oh my lord! How long have you known me? You might have lost talking privileges for the whole night. <laughs> okay, hold on, she. We're losing you. Hold on. Let's put Lady G on hold for a minute. Right, oh, damn, we lost. Oh, she's uh. on hold. Oh. Right. <laughs> now, Chi, would you like to come back to the podcast? <laughs> Can you see so yourself? much to the discourse? Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, can I point out there is one? Now that we're going through here, there is one thing I would like to say. Now, now, Rena, I'm not sure if you remember this, but several weeks ago, your mother-in-law tried to kill you. Right. Yes, I remember. Meow. And <laughs> Jen, be good. And there was a point <laughs> where you said the following: Julia, you are evil, and you must be destroyed. Now, there was a scene in these chapters where someone uses the phrase, you're evil and you must be destroyed. So I have to ask you, is it possible you're a closet Harmonian? 
No, the, you know the reason I picked that phrase? Last fall, I was in a play. I was in Steel Magnolias. And that is a line from Steel Magnolias. So it's not go. possible that you were actually a closet harmonian. Oh, God, no. Oh, I, was about to ch- <laughs> I was reading it. I put a star next to that and wrote, ask Rinna oh, on podcast in front of people. It's a line. It's a line from Steel Magnolias. It is. Weezer says it to Clary when after the big dramatic scene where, you know, the here, hit this, go ahead, Malin, slap her, half a chickapin parish, give that IT to take a whack of Weezer. You know, Does anyone know what she just said? Anyone? Show a hand. Entire exchange. Weezer looks at her and says, Clary, you are evil and you must be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's all I'm saying. I read it. I'm like, then I'm thinking, Rin is a harmonian. And then that like it's, put everything else into into like different focus. I'm like, if she's a harmonian, she's been lying about it all this time. What else is she lying about that she hasn't told me? And I went down the list. It was her awesome. name. I got, I, got, I got one for you, Ryan. You know, her name? It's not really Rina. No, it's not really <laughs> Rina. Okay. And honestly, I, like, I think actually Ryan was the first person that knew my name wasn't really Rina. And it was because he sent an email to my one of my personal email accounts. And it had my real name in it. But mm. you act like your name is like Sally May or something, and you're faking it with Rinna. It's not that far of a stretch. <laughs> Unless your name is Michael and your nickname is Mike or Mikey, it's kind of hard to understand. Some nicknames don't exactly flow directly from one to the next. Like, for and, example, and- Tina, Tina, our guest host, her name is uh-huh. really Tina. Just throw it out there. Whoa. Really? Whoa. Just blew Whoa. my mind, Ryan. Her name is not really Tina. All right, Jen, why don't you grab a direction and go with it? Because I want to get you fired up so then Rinna can, like, you know, circle around. It could be fun. So go. Jen, Snape is evil. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now you're just going to make her cry. Jen is, like, very quiet. Jen's, like, pouting in the corner. I'm not pouting. I'm, like, I'm going, okay, I don't feel bad. I'm excited. Here I go. Okay. All right. Okay. Um. I like the beginning, actually. <laughs> a good place to start. Um, okay. Ugly beds they, of they mostly have water. Whole, they have the whole conversation, you know, it's like, Dr. you're what? I'm the guardian. You're the guardian? Yes, you are. Yes, you're the guardian. Yes. yes. You know, I just love those kind of retarded. Well, I do that all the time. <laughs> well, then I'm trying to read it. I'm like, your name is Theo. Yes, you're the guardian. Yes. Okay, so you're like Jesus. No. Okay, so what are you? I'm very powerful. Okay, so you're like this omnipotent being. No, I live in an apartment and I was born in 1975. But you're like in charge of the universe. Yes. Ah, okay. Let's start from the beginning. My name is Hermione. Your name is Theo. Yes. All right. So it was... It, I, it was a little too... Um, it was... It, I'll, let me recap. I don't like... As I've said, the, the big, this is the universe, and we will describe to you where God came from and how he formed. Like, I, there was a fic I read. It, it started off so good, and it turned out to be the most awful fic I think I ever read. It involved, someone tell me what fic this is. It involved um, Percy Weasley and Merlin, and he had a vision about Merlin, and he did something, and it unraveled the space-time continuum, and magic didn't work. And you could see Hogwarts all of a sudden, and McGonagall had to like steal a taxi because the world broke down because the Latin root of the thing that Merlin had that held the magical world together because Jesus created. Like I had no idea what was going on. It was too much for me, and my brain popped. Thinking about. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I. Well, I actually, actually just. Re- I'm thinking. I've read that fic. 
I no, I know. I just remembered what fic it was. It was actually called um, "Story of Runes" by I Love Snakes. So I just remember that. But um, it, it yes. was it, it was not the type of fic I thought. So I was very nervous when we had you know the Guardian is employed by the gods of the universe, but then there's the Antichrist and they have their own gods and they control the whole universe. But then at one point. Theo is referring to her guardians, plural. I'm like, okay, so and does she have, like, deputy guardians, <laughs> and they all have their own subsection of the universe? Like, he's responsible for Neptune? Like, I was very confused how it all worked. Luckily, it wasn't a big part of the story, and we, like, never hear from her again, which is I still, okay. like, that section, they were, it was, like, the beginning of a television show pilot, you know, like, a, a advanced, you know, science fiction show. They're like, oh, well, let's explain the entire universe here in a few, in a few lines, and then you've got all this yeah. crazy Okay, am I the only one that was getting, like, serious Matrix vibes from from that whole thing. The Oracle? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was totally. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that whole time I'm reading that, I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, he's going to step out into the Matrix any second now. I'm like, I'm like take the red pill, Hermione. Take exactly. the red pill. Well, I called Jen yesterday. I'm like, Jen, this Oracle thing that Sabutesh has, mm-hmm. they can put, they can stick it over Ron's casket and it will tell them if Ron's inside there. That would have been very helpful if they had that when they found the, like, the, like the fake Harry body and she told, she told like, by the scar in his wrist, it wasn't him. And Jen's response yeah. is, "The Matrix wasn't out yet." Duh. I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome." Oh my god! I but I thought, awesome. I thought that it was just so. Confi- I'm like, okay, so all I need to know here is wicked, wicked, powerful people took Harry and they showed him Infinity, and he screamed, and they whited it out, so he forgot it. But then, then Seth. Theo's crazy ex-boyfriend, because everyone yeah. in this fic has a freaking crazy ex. Like, go down the list. Yeah. Well, I have to well, say, though, that that picking of that name, I totally geeked oh my God. out over that name. Because, <laughs> okay, because I was reading it, and I was like, because I remembered, like a, like, a story kind of in the back of my conscience, and I was telling Ryan, I was like, that's a really good name for somebody that double-crosses you. And yes, uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, really? And yeah, so I was Googling Egyptian mythology and like Set, which is the the uh, name way we get Seth, was yeah. an Egyptian god that double crossed Ra. So yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Way to be. Like, I really think that like I really that. think that Theo, Hermione, and Harry should start an organization for craziest exes ever. Like you have Hermione yeah. who's dating the dead guy who turns out to be Draco Malfoy, who she has repeated sexual encounters with, but then Draco goes to date her. Like, he sends her an I'm sorry card, and it's all forgotten. <laughs> and then you have and goes Harry to date Ginny, her best friend. <laughs> exactly. And then you have Harry who's who dates Allegra, and that was completely normal, except they gave birth to the Antichrist. <laughs> that was a little weird. And then you have Theo yeah. who yeah, who date the other... An- There's too many Antichrists. I'm getting confused to it. But I th- <laughs> what, Jen? One thing. Oh, was that me? And... Oh, okay. I'm like, who's talking? Wait, the Antichrist, what? Steve Cloves, what? I was very confused who was dating. It was confusing. Hang on a second. I think one thing that I kind of think is that she focused so much on the relationship between Harry and Hermione and trying to kind of, you know, like I say that it feels kind of forced, but, you know, I think she focused so much on that relationship that she kind of glossed over some other stuff. You know, like the other relationship seemed kind of muddy. I'm going to disagree like, on that one. It seemed done. like they were thrown in there for the sake of drama and not, you know, you didn't really, I mean, I just felt like they were, I don't know if muddy is a good word, but it felt like 
talking about uh, Harry and Hermione's previous relationships. Yeah, like they're like the psycho exes. You know, it's just like it felt like. Well, well okay, here's what we're gonna do. I want to show that these two people are so perfect together. So, what's the best way to do it? I know crazies. We'll make them date crazy people. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, here's well, the I, mean, I, think, I think everybody. I, think, I just what I feel like is that she was so busy trying to lay the relationship for Harry and Hermione's um, romantic relationship that she just kind of she didn't really take the time to explore these other relationships. I mean, not that it's a bad thing. I mean, obviously that was the point of the story was to get these two characters together, but I feel like, you know, yeah, it was really confusing when you're dealing with all these crazy exes and all the, you know, and now the Theo has a crazy ex and it's just like, okay, um, how about we just not deal with a crazy ex for a little while and, and <laughs> focus on other parts of the story? Do you know? I, well, I, just, I, I, just, I nominate though. I think that we should keep Seth and Allegra and then we can like dump some of the other ones. Here's my thing. I think her, my favorite relationship in the story is actually Harry Hermione. I'll get to that later. I, that is the, the most interesting to me. There's obviously parts where they do the I love you, no, I love you more, no, I love you more, no, I love you more things or I want to kill myself. But there, there's parts where it's actually really, 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 really good. And I'll get to all those parts. But my thing was, okay, they were very – that was a great relationship. I thought that you know Allegra and Harry, that was done well. I love the scene where Harry walks into the kitchen and she's just like eating cookies. And she's got her yeah, hair back in the like, pony. What? I thought that was because it's so freaking weird. Like, there's a scene from Da Da Da, Battlestar Galactica, just like that. But I just, I thought that scene oh was, I thought that relationship was great. I love that one. I just felt like it was, there was so many, there was so many, it was, it was squeezed for time. Now you have the subplot where Allegra and Harry had the kid who turned out to be master from the future, even though he's for the 80s, really eight. Like, that was like one more piled on. And oh, I felt like there was oh. too much stuff. Like, what was there was good, but there was too much stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm just going to go, I'm going to run through all the things that were so totally Doctor Who in this thing, and then, like, I'll be done talking for the rest of the night. Okay, the Master is totally the Doctor's arch nemesis from, like, the 1970s. He was back in Series 3. He was played by Jason Sims. He was very yummy. Mm, Yes. Um, (sighs) And also, um, he was also, sorry, he was yummy. I can't, I can't, I Oh, there's just something about an evil guy massacring about millions of people that just makes me tingly. Um, and uh, anyway, um, so uh, he plays the master. And I was laughing because, you know how um, they showed Harry all of Infinity or whatever, and it drove him insane. And that's kind of why What's-His-Name went insane to Seth or whatever. Um, that was funny because that's how the master went insane in Doctor Who. And well, that's also a Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy reference. It's also a hit, yeah, it's also, like, there's a lot of, like, little things here and there that I'm like, oh, it's Doctor Who, but also Star Trek, and also Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and also, like, every other little mm. thing I fangirl, so, yeah. Well, that was not anyway. Seth went crazy, was it? Seth, did, I don't think no, Seth went crazy. I, maybe Seth just went, maybe just kind of went bad. I think Seth is Anakin. No, like it was like a, it, that was it. That was it. it. A little it bit like yeah. Anakin, yeah. That was exactly it. It wasn't that he saw Infinity, and although I did think that was a, a creative way of explaining why Harry kept saying it never ends, it never ends, it never ends. I'm like, oh, Infinity. Yeah. I should have seen that. Okay, bye. But yeah, yeah I, actually, okay. that the uh, um, that was one of my favorite things about the the story was that they actually I thought that was actually a really plausible way that that uh, you could drive someone insane was show them a, a, an image of Infinity. Like that would actually, yeah. I think the way that would in that Star Trek episode, well, they almost destroyed the board collective with Hugh and the little. It's not as creepy. Yeah, with like, the little fractal stuff. Oh, 
Okay, this is how much of a dork I am, right? Okay, in series three of Doctor Who, the master kind of has this, like, he hears the drums in his head, and it says da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da rhythm, you know? And I was at the nursing home, and one of my patients that has Alzheimer's was tapping out that rhythm on the on the table and i was like stop <laughs> like, he thought you were in a doctor who episode stop. for a second yeah i was like i was like oh she's gonna get me and like exterminate me and bad stuff it was kind of funny because like everybody else is like didn't get it but i thought it was hilarious yeah it's like Chan's expression every week or whatever <laughs> no else i thought it was hysterical <laughs> yeah I, I called my friend the doctor who fan though and she laughed with me so it was all good so <laughs> So are those the Doctor Who references? Um, I think that's all of them. I actually, there's a lot more. There's one where they actually actually reference Doctor Who in the story, and I squealed for about ten minutes. I like, did the like, same thing when they did ugly bags of mostly water, and Theo's like, Lieutenant Commander Data says that in the first season of Star Trek. I'm like, I know, I yeah. just watched it. Was and I'm like geeking out with Theo, and then yeah. I was, so I'm sorry, Your Majesty, and I backed away. But it was like <laughs> that one moment. I thought that, that was just a great. That was a great scene. There was a couple I, I, of Star Trek references in this. Yeah, it was. They yeah, were, there was a lot. There yeah. was a line in there where I knew it was. A, it was. There was a point where Harry yells. I can't remember the name. Who's the um, the American agent who dates Remus? Disraeli. Um, really? Yeah. No. Is it? Is that? Yeah, it is. Disraeli. Disraeli. There's a scene where. Um, no, hold on. Because wasn't she not present at the? Um, I, I just clicked in my mind. They were, I wasn't really paying attention to her character that much. Wasn't is who was the one with the who brought the dog when they went on the rescue mission? Who had the dog? Um, who who was injured? Um, oh, was it, wasn't it, was, it started with an I? Wasn't it? Was that Isabel or something? Was it Isabel? Yeah, that's that's, 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 I'm yeah. sorry. It was a. It was a. I, I, for a second, I'm like, hold on. She. I know she didn't go on the mission because she was complaining to. Re- I got confused. I'm sorry. Um, there was a point in the story where Harry's when Harry decides to go into the when when um, Hermione's undercover and she's missing for like a week. Harry's like, yeah, I'm walking in and getting her, and you can't stop me. And, and was it Diz? Diz goes. Is it Diz? Di I. D-I-S, yeah. Yeah, I had listened to it, so I didn't hear it. Diz tries to stop him, saying it's inappropriate, this isn't your role, you shouldn't be the one to go, we can't afford to lose you. And he yells at her, you will carry out my orders or I will relieve you of duty. And I walked around in a funk for two days trying to figure out where the hell I heard that. It was a Star Trek reference. I finally remembered. It was when Data's on commanding his own ship and he has the first officer who won't do anything he says. And he oh, yeah. Screamed. And it, but it was annoying the ever-living crap out of me for like three days and I could not place it anywhere so I was real so there was definitely another Star Trek reference in there but yeah I mean one thing I was saying that she is when there's the references and the little homages to Doctor Who or one of the characters mentions like that's fine I didn't enjoy you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer beating the crap out of Hermione in the what? gym but that I, was the was, best part of the whole fic right there, was Buffy. Was, <laughs> no, sorry, a different, I, I can't say that with a straight face. God, I roll. I'm sorry, there's <laughs> a difference when they're like, oh, you know, what would Data do? And there's a difference with, with like, Captain Picard beaming down into the ID saying, I'm Charlotte Picard and I am here to help. Like, there's a little bit of a difference from a blah perspective there, but that was just my And honestly, I mean, it, for the first couple of times when it was like, oh, let's just throw a little reference like that in here, and it was, oh, haha, that's really funny, but towards the end, like, the more and more that I kept seeing them, it really started pulling me out of the story. Like every time I saw yeah. one, I'm just like, not again. And so, I mean, it it was. I didn't. Yeah, 
I didn't. Well, here's the thing. I mean, the, the story is obviously a more Muggle-centric story. I mean, they have cars. You know, they track Ron through his ISP. No kidding, at one right? Point. Like, so much but, Muggle yeah. stuff in this. Fish. But here's the thing. I'm okay with if the, if the theme of your story is where it's a very Muggle-centric story. I'm okay with that. Just as if your theme is this is a mage story, I'm okay with that. I may not read it because I may not like mage stories, but if you want to write a Muggle-centric story, that's that's completely fine. And I actually. I think it's it's okay. They're working. You can argue they're working very closely with the Muggles, and this was you know post Prisoner of Azkaban, and they didn't have the whole separation of church and state thing down, and you know it, it could have gone. I mean that I'm I'm completely completely okay with that. But there, there there's points where, like Rena said, if if you're going to do that type of story, I'm okay with it. But there's points where you like having Buffy walk into ID just got. It pushed, yeah. like you were saying, it pushed the wall a little bit too much. I'm fine making a Buffy reference. I'm fine with a cute little throwaway line, but having her actually show up and punch Hermione in the face was a little over over the top. That was just my little thing there. But um, all right, and Jen had to um, sign off. Jen is not feeling too well tonight because she is with a child, which will hopefully be a boy named Ryan. I want you all <laughs> to know this. If we Bro, find out girl this kid is a boy, no, it, yes. If we find out this kid is is a boy. I am raising the biggest letter writing campaign in history. And we are going to bombard Jen's house with like ketchup bottles or whatever. And we are going to force her to name this kid Ryan. You have absolutely no idea how serious I am about that. Yes. So just, okay. So we're going through. So right now we're balanced here between, I think two fans on the more critical ends, you know, a little bit maybe and two fans on the, on the more, Oh my God, POU, I love you. end. so this will be (laughs) somewhat um, interesting. So which which end am I on? I think you're on the, (laughs) and just a little bit, just a little bit to the, to the right. The crying like a girl. end. I I, I was like, which end is that again? I was like, that that doesn't clarify it any, Ryan. Your new name for the remainder of this podcast is Captain Sissy Mary. All right. So as we continue the story. It's Corporal Sissy Mary. Damn it. Corporal Sissy Mary. Well, that was the one thing that confused me when, when Argo goes around the table and tells what everyone's rank is. I'm like, does major outrank? I'm so confused. Who's in charge of the stabbing? But I, I do get confused. But you gotta love it when they mix, uh, you know, Army and, and uh, naval ranks Maybe, together. Yeah. Like you have a general and an admiral. It's like, which is higher? Is it a general? Is it the admiral? You never know. It could be. I just love that Siri. Okay, Sirius Black is the president of the world. I thought that was really vice cute. president of the world. Well, we yeah. don't have a president, so we don't know who oh, the president is. Or do we? Dum dum dum. So, ooh, okay. So we, we're back in the scene where Hermione basically has Theo, and she's like, the way, the one thing I didn't get was, okay, Theo is all powerful. And mm-hmm. you know, well, Seth is of. all powerful. And um, she says, "I can't, I can't save Harry because I can't interfere." And I'm like, "Okay, so it's like the Prime Directive." And then the character is like, "It's like the Prime Directive." And I said, "Thank you, that was helpful." And I didn't get the point where if I save Harry, it's a victory for Seth because I've gotten involved. And all I could think of is if I don't go shopping, the terrorists win. Like I wasn't getting the logical connection between the two. I think it was about, it was more about, well, and I mean, my theory on this, when I read that, because I kind of had a similar problem, my theory was more like, I was thinking, well, okay, maybe what it is, is that Theo's side of things, they pride themselves on not getting involved. They pride themselves on just watching and, and not influencing, you know, directly contacting, you know what I'm saying? Like they stay on the outside 
And if she stepped in, you know, that was, in my mind, that was kind of what the difference between Theo and Seth's side were. You know, they were the non-interference versus the people who are just screwing things up just to, you know, for shits and giggles. Yeah, and honor, and so if she know, steps yeah. in and, and, and changes something, even if it's for the better, even if it's something that will help things out, even if it is a good thing for her to do, that's still going against what her principles are. And so okay. because of that, that means that Seth would win. All right, that See, makes more sense. I had a different I had a different take on that. Um, was that the whole thing was that Seth had had done something had did, Seth had spies somewhere in in um, Theo's um, operation, and she, she they found that out because they um, because um, she, sorry Theo didn't know about the the extra body the the fake hairy body, and yeah. so that information had suddenly somehow been extracted from her you know information gathering resources. So there had to be somebody on the inside. But if yeah. she were to fix it, if she were to interfere in Harry's behalf, it would indicate that she knew something uh, you know beyond yeah. what had actually happened, and then that would be. Um, uh, that would be uh, tipping her hand that 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 she knew about Seth's. Um, and that would be that would be things. that true. They, that is okay. that is there as well. That, okay, that that actually makes sense. That was the one thing that was that was throwing me there. The other thing about like the realm that um, I, it was the domain. I think it was called. It was whatever realm. The, I was really cracking up the fact that Theo is this almost. She's not omnipotent, but she's has like omnipotent powers to some degree. She, yeah. She's no, she's but, she's supposed to be omnipotent. Um, the, but she has was, staff meetings. I thought that was cute that they had like TPS reports and they were having staff yeah. meetings and like some. Well, you know, they've got bureaucracy even in heaven. Um, yeah, that cracked there's me a, up. Uh, I don't know if they still got it on YouTube. Though. There was this this great YouTube video thing called God Inc. That was like just what if God? What if heaven was a essentially a uh, a business and it's like the office only with they're like dealing with evolution and whether or not to have a flood or something. And it's 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 really funny, but. Uh, that was kind of a tangent. <laughs> well, no, it was too. It was like it, it was like um, the the whole plotline of time doesn't move here. Time has no meaning. I'm like okay, but Harry's gonna die in four days. Everyone's like, oh my god, four days he's gonna die. I'm like, but time has no meaning here. So I like it, that part was a little weird to me because then it, there's no such thing as four days from now because there is no now because we exist on yeah. planes of time. I was trying to explain this to Jen. I'm like, okay, Jen, think of time as like a big river, and she's like, oh god, Ryan, I'm hanging up the phone. So I'm oh no, <laughs> but um, I did. I'm, I mean, I agree that did. Don't that try to explain causality. <laughs> That no, was it's like, like the first episode of Deep of- Space Nine. It's like, we don't oh, know God. what linear time is, but can you please teach us? So, okay, when you arrive, and they're like, it is the Cisco. We love baseball. Like, it, like it, then there's <laughs> there's problems with the, with, the, with the plot itself. There's problems with the plot itself. So that's... Oh, that's that they- we've already established that, that there are some fairly significant, you know, it's, you know, I will compare this to reading Twilight. You know, you have to kind of suspend your belief in reality yeah. to, you know you well, have to yeah. kind of step outside of what you know is what's really going on in order to read some things like this some kind of well, really let crazy me think, yeah. let me put you this way my take on it was i really like the harry hermione relationship in this and the reason i do is and i was talking to chi about this last night they seem like real people like they have like Okay, look what happens in the canon. You know, every year around May, something awful happens to Harry. 
and his friends are beaten. They are they are bloodied. They you know, all of these terrible things happen to his friends, and they all stand by each other because they're heroes. Because it's, it's, it's a it's a kid's story. I mean, Cinderella. You know, someone should have called DCF on her. I mean, like that. Like the, her living conditions are awful, but it's it's a fairy tale. So one thing I enjoyed about this was Hermione says, "I need a break. I need to get away from this. I just gave up something huge for Harry." And he needs me, and I can't be there for him because I need to be there for myself. So I need to take a sabbatical, which sounds ridiculous. But she needed to step away. And I she thought that was him, really contrived, actually. I did. I didn't. There's parts in there. I was I like, thought, "This is angst. This is this is you want to induce angst when you do this. Like it, that, that, is, that is just so intentional that it, it really. Yeah, it, think so it was like it pulled me out of the moment. It really did. I, didn't think, I have it to did say, it for me. Yeah, go, no, go ahead, you. Well, I mean, I, I want. I mean, it just seems like I have this big problem, and I, it's more. It's like a growing trend in like literature and television and stuff, which is, um, and Jen's gonna hate me, is angst for the sake of angst. Like yes. it doesn't take the characters. You know, you're just. There's no journey. There's no, there's there's no, no lesson. journey. It's there's just... no lesson. It's just kind of yeah, exactly. Like um, I was listening to. Uh, I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna. This is the Doctor Who is the new Battle Scar Galactica. But I was listening to <laughs> Julie Julie Gardner. They were asking her about the stupid freaking ending of season four, which is the dumbest thing they've ever done. Um, and she said, you know, well, people just aren't heroic if they're not if they're happy. People are heroic when they're unhappy. And um, that kind of, like, attitude in, in writing is just, it kind of, it drives me insane. Like, the situation with Harry and Hermione and Hermione giving up her portion of her life for Harry and Harry being, you know, having to convalesce or whatever, that's angsty enough. That's a journey in and of itself. You don't have to take it to this other place. I mean, if Harry, if Hermione wants to assert her uh, individuality and she wants to remain mm-hmm. independent, then the proper time for her to do that in the story arc was, you know, four Before. chapters back or ten chapters ahead. Yeah. Right. You know? I get your concept because there's points in the story I feel it's absolutely – it's angst for the purposes of angst. So I definitely get the concept of what you're saying because I have examples of that. I didn't feel like that was – a. I disagree this is a particular – time when that's happening and there and maybe it's something that Renda mentioned where there, there's points where to accept a story you have to you know recraft it in your head and disregard certain points to make it shoehorn like for, you know for example on the harry hermione relationship i have difficulty believing that hermione was destined to fall in love with harry i believe as a result of circumstances as a result of the supposed death of ron as a result of all of these things that happened she did fall in love with harry and i believe in that but i just don't believe it was the predestined relationship for her but i laurie obviously disagrees with me so i kind of have a different story running in my head that makes that i like a lot better but for this particular point you have a hermione that okay in the first year you know she 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 loses ron and she defeats voldemort with harry and she becomes a spy and she goes through you know spy training class and she sees you know everyone die in front of her and she knows that you know she goes into you know Allegra's lair, and she knows that Harry was stabbed through... The Harry saw a version of her stabbed through the heart, and she had to bring him back. And you see her in this story. She literally... She loses him for two months. She loses him at Christmas time, which is an awful thing for anyone. And she goes through that separation from him where she she doesn't even know who she is anymore because he's not there anymore. And then he comes back, and then he turns into, you know, 
evil batshit crazy Harry from you know <laughs> from hell. And so then she goes through that. Then her grandmother that dies. Like so I know people. I know people that when their grandmother died, they go into therapy. You know, on top of all this, her grandmother dies. And by the way, at the funeral, Harry parts the clouds. You know, like Moses. Like I know Moses didn't part the clouds, but bear with me. And you know, goes through this entire awful thing. So now she has to go and she has to find Jesus because Jesus is doing this to Harry. So she goes off on a mission, and now she her lifespan has been shortened and you know she has to go she can't tell anyone her lifespan has been shortened but her, so and it's I, fine. I, I cannot, specified amount too and, and honestly, so you you're like walking around like you have scoliosis with your arm with your arms like draped at your side like waiting for the boulder to fall on your head i can understand there's a point where someone would crack and I'm not saying it's 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 not logical. I'm not saying it's a well reasoned plan. I'm not saying that if Hermione took a day to think it over, she would still do it. I think she she left suddenly because some people say, "Look, this isn't the right thing to do." I know that, but it's the right thing for me. And if I think about this, I'm not going to do it. So I just need to do it. And they rip the plug and they just do their thing. It worked for me on that level because I've been like I like what have I done in the last few years? I've lost a parent, I lost you know an aunt, I lost a baby cousin, and I did a podcast. And I went to grad school, and I'm exhausted. So I can understand yeah. that you know I I it, it worked for me. I'm, that didn't seem unnatural to me that a character would say I'm leaving. I'm oh goodbye. And it, like I'll say this, it was a stupid thing to do. It was a really stupid thing to do. But I can understand that she would do it. It didn't seem contrived. It didn't seem like she had no rationale. It was it, people do stupid things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just. It's hard to argue with. I don't, yeah, it's hard to argue with. Well, it's, no, because it's, I it see. is, but it's not. Because yeah. yes, people do stupid things, and yes, bad things happen, and you know sometimes, you know, people don't react the way that we feel like they should. Yes, that happens. I think the only way that I have been able to really buy that this that she would do that is by having completely you know said all right you know what this is not canon hermione this has never been canon hermione you know this is somebody different this is somebody who has that selfishness in them because one of the things that we know about canon hermione is that you know she's pig-headed and stubborn as hell and i i think that i don't think her that part of her personality would have let her leave in that situation even if she wanted to, even if she needed to, I don't think that Canon Hermione would have been able to walk away at that moment. Yeah, because response, he needed okay. too much. My response is this. My response is okay, and this is actually a note that left actually for you because I know you you had said there were many scenes in this where you feel like it's just a Harry Ginny fic, but they cross it all the Ginnies and they write Hermione in. I think the character of Ginny would would fireman lift Harry on a over, you know, a sea of coals, you know, burning into her feet. She would do anything for Harry. There's nothing she wouldn't do. She would take every bullet for him. She and she'd be able to do it, too, because she has and she would do it. soulmate powers. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, soulmate powers. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't Ginny. This is Hermione. And Hermione yes, is a very independent person. And I think that she, I think that Hermione would say, okay, look, I love you to death. I just brought you back from the, from the dead. I paid an enormous price for it. My grandmother died. You've been possessed by Satan. I lost you for two months. I am pigheaded. I am Hermione. I need to leave. You will be okay. You have Sirius. You have Remus. You have everyone who lives in our house, which is like 18 people. You will be okay. I need to do this. I will be back. 
And I'm okay with that. Yeah, but she doesn't say that, though. She just takes off in the middle of the night under a cloak, doesn't tell anybody. I mean, she says, oh, I'm leaving or whatever. She tells people. She doesn't tell him. Well, she tells tells, Sirius. But she doesn't tell Harry. Yeah. And, like, Uh, that's, like... I, I think yeah, the incest could have been no, avoided if it's a five minute. If, if she if she had sat down and wrote it in a note for five minutes, that it, the whole yes, she should have. Yeah. she should have. Yes, and I'm right. I'm chalking that off. For sometimes I get people do stupid things, and I'm okay with the fact. Yeah. People, it was it, here's the thing. I think it was an enormously stupid thing that she did. So then she comes back at his birthday party. No, his birthday. What yeah, was it? good it was, time. Was his birthday party. Yeah, it was his birthday Serious party. His birthday party. I'm sorry, it was Sirius's birthday party, and she's expecting the scene where he sees her on the hill, and he charges up, and she drops her suitcase, and, and you know, bosom flying everywhere, and it was a wonderful moment. And, you know, they, they get hauled up to the cloister, and he can't understand why she left, and she needs him to understand that she had to. And he's seeing through everything that she's saying, and he's saying, what did it cost you? I know it cost you something. Because every excuse that she's giving... The fact that this has just, you know, been, you know, it's very different. She was giving historical reasons that wouldn't have prompted her at that moment to run for it. What did this cost you? And she won't tell him. And what they go through as a result of her not telling him is 20 times worse than what they would have gone through if she sat down and said, I gave up an unspecified period of time in my life. But they, but normal people don't look and do compare and contrast when they're angry and they're and they're and they're angry and they're disappointed in each other and they're misreading each other. So he thinks she wants to end the relationship and she thinks he thinks he wants to end the relationship. Yeah. So she so so she says so she starts to leave. He says in that recursive okay. loop there. Yeah, and then she takes her ring off. So he thinks she wants to take her ring off, and it spirals the hell out of control. And I'm okay with that because it, it's it's not a good situation. Everyone's overreacting and everyone's making that, stupid decisions. I mean, that scene wasn't so bad. The, the, as far as taking you out of the story, I thought I thought that with that the scene in the cloister was was very realistic. I thought it, there was a lot of um, yeah. it was angsty, yes, but it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't unrealistic. Like it wasn't the, like Hermione just leaving without even saying anything to Harry, without leaving him a note. You know, I thought that that part was contrived. I thought the stuff in the cloister was great. I thought the most, well, some of the rest of the stuff was really good, but or most of the rest of the stuff was really good. But as far as the angst part between the two, uh, but uh, and I thought the points were, and the, and the one point that was really well received for me is, let me get this straight. You didn't tell me you were a spy for like eight years. You 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 keep everything in. You don't tell anyone anything, but you're pissed at me for doing the same. It's thing. It's a double standard that Harry. It's a double has. right. Right. I mean, my point on it was there's points in here where I thought it was angst for the sake of angst. But for that point, I could see Hermione saying, look, I've taken care of you. My, and this is interesting because this is, you know, con- this is controversially against the character. There's a, w- would there be a point where, where Hermione would say, Harry, I've been with you for Voldemort. I've been with you in the, in the ensuing decade. I've been with you for everything. I need you to take care of yourself. You think I'm, you think I'm brave enough and smart enough to take care of myself in the ID? I need you to take care of yourself for a couple months. I will be back. And and she did tell Sirius to tell Harry that she'd be back. So it's not like she just, you know. Just yeah, but anything. like just to, just to say third, secondhand through Sirius, it wasn't sufficient. Oh, it's shitty. It's, oh, it's crappy. It's a very crappy thing to do to someone. Yeah. But I guess my thing is I could believe into the fact. So my question there is, okay, is it plausible that she would do a stupid thing? And when I think of what she's gone through in the past 12 months, I can believe that she has been pushed to the breaking point. So. I don't want to harp on that one scene particularly you know, too much through the podcast, but I was okay with that. 
and then you have the scene set up then where they go forward from there, and you have her go off on a dangerous mission, and he shakes her hand. Would, mm-hmm. would Harry do that? I think he might. I mean, there was two conflicting scenes here. There's the Harry that shakes her hand and she goes off on a dangerous mission, and there's a Harry who keeps her wedding ring in his pocket the whole time. I don't believe that both of those would happen. I think you're either going to mm-hmm. do one or the other. And I, I, I tend to think that he would be the handshaker because he would convince her, he would convince himself that that's, that he d- either doesn't deserve her or that's what she wants or whatever. I think Harry's the type of character that would be self-destructive. So I was actually okay with the fact he's shaking her hand and it was angsty as hell. I mean, you were saying that she, anyone who's gone through a breakup is reading those chapters, like going uh, through it's, there was a few was too many, uh, little, you know, yeah. points. Oh my God. That scene where Hermione is with her mom. And she's talking to her mom about how much Harry has messed her up emotionally. I was like, oh my god, scenes from my... I totally pulled adjusted. I was like, You have had that conversation before. <laughs> I have had yeah. that conversation before with my mother. Yeah. Um, and Harry has on the serious. Yeah. dating Harry Potter. I was dating an asshat, and it turned out to be alright. But anyway, mm. um, yeah, I just... I do kind of want to move on to talking but about... I do want to just... I do want to say one. But, yeah, I do want to say one thing too. I just love the part where Harry, you know, Hermione goes to her mother, and Harry goes to Sirius, and Sirius is the he's absolutely Harry's father in the story. He's the father figure completely, but he's also the, the person that if Harry too had taken over, would have had to kill him. So I thought that was a really this is the same person helping Harry with his love life in the scene who would have had to kill him five chapters before if things had gone badly. So I thought that was a cool serious moment there. But keep going. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was, I actually really liked the development of this. We don't see a whole lot of um, of Sirius in this fic, but I do um, want to make the point that I really enjoy what we see of Sirius. Um, no, I don't buy his characterization from canon, but I enjoy that Harry has this, like, father figure that's there for him that's willing to do those kinds of things for him, that I was willing to step up to the plate when Hermione is not emotionally able to do what she needs to do um you know to stay by him while he's ill and convalescing and um also to step up and be able to say if it comes to the point where somebody has to take care of harry that will be my job and i i really enjoyed that i love that he had that adult figure in his or he's an adult now he doesn't need an adult figure but you know someone (laughs) older than him yeah. As a parent figure in his life, and well, you're always a but kid. I, to, to, to someone yeah. who's fifty, someone who's twenty, he's always their kid. I mean, it's it's yeah, just the, exactly. Well, I think I think Sirius says at one time, "You're my son," and even and even though he never you know officially adopted him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And where, from where we were in Canada, it was totally plausible it would end up there. I mean, sure. Yeah. Well, there was no hint of Sirius dying at that point, and right. so I don't know. I've ever seen actually um, just a. Uh, to, from a broader perspective, I don't think I've ever seen a pre-Order of the Phoenix fic that has killed Sirius. Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen one where they, they called that one. No, I don't not- think so either. Because I think so much of us, so many of us wanted that to work. We wanted yeah. Harry to have that. Um, we wanted Harry we to have knew- something good in his life for once. Right, exactly. Instead of being, you know, shit on all the time. You knew he was, I mean, in the back of your mind, you knew he was doomed. But you didn't want him to be doomed. You hoped he I wasn't doomed. Kind of, yeah. I do kind of want to talk about wombats because I thought that was the most <laughs> Oh, my God. Gee, there's, I have a line in my notes. note. Let, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me show you the line from my notes here. 
uh, it says Operation Wombat is comedy gold. Wombat is one of the magic words of comedy, to be sure. There's a, a theory that you have these words that you just combine them and they're automatically funny, like yes. ferret. Wombat it counts as one of those. I, as a Ravenclaw, I was like, Wombat, why couldn't they pick lemur? <laughs> that would be better. <laughs> I, I, Operation uh... lemur. <laughs> yeah, you watch. Like, like there will be Ravenclaws listening to this it podcast. Could, it could and I'll have been wake worse. Up. I'll wake up on Friday morning after you release it, and there will be an Operation Lemur doing something in the tower, I'm sure of it. Oh, that's place. excellent. Well, I just but, thought it was great, too, because it's, okay, Harry and Hermione break up, and, Har- and Hermione runs to Ginny, and Ginny takes her home, and Harry comes down, hey, everybody, how about some hot dogs? And they're like, okay, you're a little weird. So, so of course, everyone at the end of the night comes over, and Hermione's been, like, sedated, and they're all sitting in Ginny's living room, and they're like, okay, what do we do? Okay, we need to get them back together. Okay, how are we going to do this? And one of them's like, we need office supplies, and we need pie charts. And, like, they're contracting <laughs> Ross Perot to do this. But it's absolutely plausible that they're supposed oh. to do that, but I just, I just love the part where know, they're like, okay, we yeah. You just know they're running around in trench coats with, with crappy disguises on, trying to shadow them, and, you know, and, and doing, like, little, you know, like... Is spy movie cliche type things, you know, because of course in this, they've all watched all the Bond movies, so they they all know how to be real real British spies. They have staff me. Well, the funny thing I think is the two spies in the group like are expected not to pick up on it, but everyone else is going to spy on the spies. And yeah, yeah the right. I love is that <laughs> and Napoleon's have, all like amused and stuff because they're like, but yeah. they have like they have frequent staff meetings. They have to, like department heads. They're like, okay, surveillance report. And like Jimmy's like, I watch them. Um, <laughs> Harry is having bowel movements every day at three o five. Maybe we can move those closer to thirty. I just the, it's so funny, and that's the one thing Laurie does really well. I mean, we can have yeah. you know, fourteen paragraphs that's, on exposition of you know the evil Eternals versus the Dark Eternals. So much of uh, so much of the thick. The humor rests with the housemates. It, it comes down to George and, and Justin and uh, and yeah. Laura and uh, and Show and, and it's and so much of the humor comes from their interactions with the uh, I, I, what would you call Harry and Hermione the duo in this one? I don't know. That doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't the really duo. I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, I, at one point, I was calling them the couple. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't <laughs> the golden couple. I think that's yeah. actually. I think it's actually they're referred to as a golden couple at some point. What what really amuses me about this fic is sometimes I think Lori realizes that she's written like a really ridiculous love scene, and so like the next chapter we'll have Laura going, "You people are so ridiculous." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, like, Laura is Rena. I've determined that Laura is actually no, Laura is Rena because I yeah. don't know what it is, but Rena, are you even here? By the way, she yes, Rena's Rena's here. Rena's here. She's just uh, she's she's had another cat allergy attack, so. Um, she has been. She, she's she's speaking in in uh, barely above a whisper. If, if you know this, on the day where I received a death threat, the host seems to be dropping, and it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. But um, but but you have um, I, I really think Laura's Rena because it's just like just her snarky responses to just about everything that happens in the story is just. She's yeah. fun to. I know she's no C, and I know she's from another fandom, but Laura's yeah. really cool. Well, and I like I, the fact I that she's feeling... closer to Hermione than than Ginny is. She's, so, yeah. she's closer to Hermione than Ginny, and that's. I kind of have a feeling that that Laura, as as Laurie writes her, becomes more and more an original character um, from even whatever the original um, yeah, setting yeah. was that she was in. Because I, I can't imagine that that she was that funny in uh, 
um, in, in whatever. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Laura as a Laura's a fun character. Uh, well, Sari gets dropped, and Laura becomes yeah. the, like the character who's in the long term relationship from yeah. hell. Now, there's a point. Yeah. I think it's in the original Wombat meeting where Laura just completely flips out, and everybody who wants. What, what, it's like, I, I have the right? long-distance relationship based on mutual respect. And at that point, I was like, oh, my God, you are breaking up so soon. <laughs> mutual yeah. respect. Whatever. Yes. Well, there's even the point where Harry has the quickie with Hermione. And, like, all they can say afterwards is, oh, my God, please let the guy in the next office have gone home early today. <laughs> but, you know, they have the quickie in his office. And Harry, and Harry realizes that, you know, Hermione allows him. You know, Hermione is so herself around him. And there's this beautiful expression of of. of, of, of of loyalty and family and love and all this stuff. And it just, he it reaffirms the fact that no matter what happens to the Ron, she will stay with him forever. And it's this beautiful moment. So all I can picture is directly after having this quickie, Hermi- Harry's like, Hermione, I know this sounds corny, but I respect you as a person. <laughs> Never <say laughs> I just have to say, I oh, have to say, I was laughing so bad. Cause I was like, I was, you know, they would do that scene and he has that like, Oh, like from heaven moment. And, um, I was laughing. I was like, Oh my Lord, is that what men read into sex? Like women would have to have a guy like say something like that to them. And like, apparently all it takes is shagging a guy at an office that says, I'm going to love you forever. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Well, then there's what a scene too, where they find out that Ron's alive and they're having sex in bed and Harry's not really into it. And she's not really into it. And after a while he just rolls over. So I'm like, okay, he figured out that she's not really into it. And she's like, he's like, Hermione, I'm not really into it. And she turns over and she's like, beg pardon. I'm, I can't do it. I'm too stressed. She's like, but I'm stressed. And he's like, yeah. but I was stressed. And they just pause. Why are we having sex? <laughs> just the <laughs> Wait a minute. Didn't yeah. we break up? Yeah. Well, I well, didn't know. They, that's not the breakup part of the story. They're back together. Ryan oh, and I sorry, are skipping no. around. You have to follow our train of thought because it doesn't. Oh, oh sorry. 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 I had it's, difficulty it's, hearing. I thought you said Ryan and I are sleeping around. I'm like, what would be? That's what scary? I thought she said too. Oh my god! Oh my god! And I was like, whoops! There's some there's some fodder for the quibbler. <laughs> That's Thanks true. Danielle doesn't I'm listen to the podcast. Danielle. Oh god! Oh, like how someone that, but, insinuated yeah. someone insinuated that you and what was it Tina were going away together? No, it was was it Tina? Oh, Whoever it was. It was really funny. I have a coworker who I work with who's 52 oh, years old. So whatever happened was that I went to New York City on a Friday and I came back on a Monday. So I would work. I would work half a day Friday and half a day Monday. And my coworker wanted to go to stay with her friend in New York. So she's like, would you mind driving me to the train station when you leave? And then I'll meet you at Grand Central Station on Monday morning. And maybe you could just drive me back and we'll go into the office. I'm like, let me get this straight. You want me to leave work with you on a Friday afternoon and come back into work with you on a Sunday afternoon with bags from New York City? You don't think that's going to start the rumor, Bill. <laughs> People don't think. That's oh, my only point. People paranoid. don't think. You're a little nothing, paranoid. Nothing really has to start the rumor mill, though. You know, I was nearly just- shot today, Chief. There's a sniper <laughs> who would love to take me out. Where the hell were we? We were at Laura, sorry, sex, bad sex. Someone walk me back to the train. They're broken no, we're up. Not bad. We haven't gotten to the bad sex yet because I want to talk about that. <laughs> right. so, so, So they're broken up. And it's right. it's through these and, and it, it goes from like bad to worse where, you know, it, 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 she actually does a good job writing it because it's never a simplistic thing where I hate you and you hate me and I'm angry. And they both know they're probably going to get back together and they both know that they they still love the other one, but they're both so angry and they both 
they, they keep flipping back and forth between I, I, I'm going to acknowledge your presence and I'm not going to acknowledge your presence and I'm angry. It, it, it's written well because those types of situations are very messy and they're very dirty. So you have Hermione go off undercover and there's a mole in here somewhere. And I know there's a mole in here somewhere. And I have two guesses as to who the mole... Well, I have a guess and a half. The mole was shot through the Ooh. chest. So maybe that's not the mole anymore. And in my notes, I actually wrote down, Theo has a mole. And it looks like I was making a ha-ha funny about her facial features. In fact, there is a mole somewhere in there. Um, I thought she actually it was has either... Mole face too. That's why I was, I was confused about that in your notes. I, I thought it was either Sabutesh, which is how my audio <laughs> recorder I thought it was either Sabutesh... <laughs> Or, or Napoleon. And then Napoleon got shot. I'm like, ooh, maybe it's not him. Maybe it's Sabutesh. Because he had, yeah. cause Sabute- Sabutesh is in love with Seth. And it's like the Who SS cares? thing. I don't, I don't know. So, so I thought it was Sabutesh. Is the, uh-huh. it's, so, so they go in the end. I, 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 it was just so well written. It's, it's, you have Hermione is never talking to Harry. And then all of a sudden, Harry's her point of contact on the park bench. So she walks over and she's talking to him. And she's getting snarky with them, and she's breaking the chain of command because they have their work hats on. It's it's so well written because it's just so angsty and it's so confusing. And you have to think if she's her, okay, I just gave up part of my life for you, and you're finding out I'm about to go into a very dangerous situation, and you're like patting me on the head and shaking my hand, and it's going to make her so angry, and then the anger becomes more overpowering. It's just it's a really good showing of a, of a situation spiraling out of control and there's no one to reel it back in. Yeah, I have to say, like, that was, like, one of my favorite scenes, the scene on the park bench with um, Harry yeah. and Hermione, because I felt like, um, and I, but I do want to say this, that I thought that the, the way that that built up, I kind of, I had this thought in the back of my brain as a, like, as a beta reader slash author slash editor, I'm like, oh my god, that's probably the best scene that she's written in the fic so far. And uh, that's not a good sign <laughs> yeah. because Brennan knows what I'm talking about. Um, because you just know that when you have this like perfect, awkward, angsty moment, when you go back and you try and fix that because you have to, because that's what you're writing, you're writing a Harry mm. Hermione story. Um, that's one sketch that can't be undid, home skillet. That's like, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> And like, so when they're doing the um, reunion scene, what is it like a chapter later? Or like half a chapter later, you're just remembering that moment where, um, you know, the moments in the park match scene and how the dialogue was so perfect. And you're kind of juxtaposing that in your mind with what the reunion was. And I don't know. I She has this thing with like, like nickel and dime words that drive me cr- There's one paragraph. I'll, I'll pull it Which up. One? Harry um, says, he says, I will, Hermione's given this really long, like, dramatic statement, and this Harry basically says, oh, that's a Theo speech. Shoot, shoot. Well, anyway, but seriously, the dialogue in the um, scene at the fountain is kind of like, it's kind of disappointing because it's not as good as the dialogue when Harry and Hermione are um, in a situation with with Lori, which is writing them, and they are having to have a conversation about emotions, I think she kind of loses perspective on how real people talk. Because most of the time, the dialogue is fantastic. And oh, it's, it's very, fun, it's very it's black or white. Sharp. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's either and really awesome or it sucks. 
Yeah, there yeah, are moments where that, yeah. it makes my eyes bleed. I'm like, as a as a beta reader, I just want to take like a pen, a red pen, and just circle entire chunks of things and just go go out Fix and have this. a conversation with a man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go out and have a con- like. Don't like go up and ask your brother how he feels about something. Doesn't even have to be a man you're related related to. Go up and ask your brother how he feels about macaroni and cheese, and then watch him try to form a sentence about how he feels about something like macaroni and cheese. And you know, men are just, especially Harry, who doesn't have any kind of background that would let him know how to express his emotions to have him do things like saying you know this is how you make me feel and blah 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 blah. to me that completely throws me out of the story because how would harry even know how to begin to articulate something like that like he's articulating things that i wouldn't be able to articulate in a relationship but in fairness too, the thing that always i'm one of those people i when I start to read a story, I really try and like it. So my method of reading is if something comes up that makes me go, hmm, I say, okay, there must be a logical explanation for this. And if I can't find one, then I'm like, okay, you've now thrown me out of the story. But if I can find one, I'm like, ha, this works well. This is also a Harry that's 28 years old who's had very different experiences. Like, There's points in the story where I have to remind myself this is not 17-year-old Harry because I'm most accustomed to reading 17-year-old Harry who doesn't know those things. But 28-year-old right. Harry who's had all these other girlfriends and he has this career and he's in char- he's a spy for the love of I mean, yes. I mean, well, I'm, point, I'm saying a- that like – yeah, I mean I understand yeah. your point but at the same time it's like, like – I, I, I don't know. Don't I don't change their spots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they do learn things. They do learn they do things. Learn I mean, things. yes, that's true. You learn but... things, but you don't ever. You don't turn into Shakespeare. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh no! You know? There's points in. No, let me get. Let me just clarify. There's points in the story where hair. It's the scene where, like, I know. I know she was complaining about the 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 dialogue in the fountain was melodramatic, and I just just to jump to that point, just to recap the scene, you have. You have Harry and you have Hermione. Now she's injured in in, in 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 the mission, so she needs to recover. So you have Napoleon act as, as the kindred spirit, the go between. I think he's a great character. I, I know some people who don't like him. I think he's just a great character. Napoleon is awesome. He's awesome. He's such a great character. And I've been in the position before where, you know, my like the first girl I ever said I love you to, she, I was 16 years old, so I obviously knew a lot about love at that point. And really? 16? Up, <laughs> That's awesome. We, oh, 16, yeah. And we ended up breaking up, and there was actually a point where she started dating someone new. And there was some subplot about some psycho month. I don't even know what the hell happened. But I ended up having – I still had feelings for the girl, and I had to help repair her relationship with the new guy. And I ended up doing it, and I, like – Jumped in the meat and hating yourself meat. afterwards. Yeah, it was and something during, like that. So, and before yeah. and forever thereafter. Okay, well, maybe we should talk after the podcast. But <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I can see the like. I get the part where you know this is such a tough thing for Napoleon, and I, I love the way it's handled. That he even says, you know, do you know what it feels like for me to all to want something so badly and see you throw it away. How do you think that makes me feel? Because it's like Hermione, Napoleon's like the th- he's like the, the trio of the relationship. He's like, well, how do you think this relationship failing is affecting me? And you're like, who are you, my kid? Like, what, like this, this yeah. split visitation. But I, I thought that was and the way it's worked out is Harry says, fine, I will. He the, the, the go between is that Hermione will stay with Harry, and they get to the point where. He helps her, you know, take her medication. He helps her with her treatments, and they helps her get off what. Yeah, well, there's that too, but it's uh, it, they're not even talking. To, it's like two dead. Angry well, then there's sex. the part where they're like, it's like two bad char- It's like two bad actors are playing the roles of Harry and Hermione. I'm like, okay, yeah. so it's kind of like the movies from Warner Brothers. All right, 
No offense to Dan Radcliffe, <laughs> I'm talking about Emma. But and this was before, before the movies, too. I know. So I'm like, I know. I'm, I'm picturing Emma. So, and then there's the point where the she reaches under the cover, grabs Harry's through his pants. I'm like, I wonder if Harry will know this because he's a very dim person. And they start having <laughs> sex every night, but they never mention it after. So I'm like, all right, let's recap, Hermione. You're having se- sex with Draco Malfoy for like a year and a half. Then you're having sex with Harry, Harry's evil twin brother, Larry. And now you're having sex with Harry, but no one ever talks about it. Something is not right. I, I, I think it's. Sex. I think it's actually Barry, not Larry Ryan. I know, I know. So then they get to the scene where they beat up a band of Italian muggers. And and, and finally, and she ends up hitting them. Like, she swings her and she hits them. And, and my first response is, I think she really wanted to hit them. And he's like, you really wanted to hit me. I'm like, thank you, Harry. I just said that. Like, they were completely... <laughs> Here's the thing. They were compl- it was completely melodramatic, but when I have fights with Danielle or when I have, I've had fights with the girls before, I am completely melodramatic. I am screaming at them, well, you're the person who told me to unplug the toaster. So, like, <laughs> you're supposed – you. no one ha- – it's not freaking sh- – he's standing in the middle of a goddamn fountain. They're not going to have shit. Like, I'm fine with I it being screaming. For the record, I thought that was horrifying. I was, was like – great. Like, Ryan's like, that's what? great. And I'm like – Oh, she just ruined every all no, the she... effort she put into making the scene mm-hmm. what it was. What part? In a sentence and no. a half. <laughs> it's the moment. Okay, there's three moments in the series where Hermione up to so far where Hermione says, "If something doesn't happen right now, we're through." It's the first time Harry questions dating Hermione because she'll be in danger and she'll be a widow and she'll not get survive or whatever the hell the thing is, and she convinces him that a day with you is worth a lifetime without you, whatever. Okay, then okay that one worked well. Then they have the scene in the cloister where she's like, "Oh crap! If he doesn't call me back now, this is over." And he's like, "Bye." So that didn't work <laughs> out too well. So now they have this scene where they just be- beat up the band of Turkish rebels or whoever the hell they were, and it kind of just tell you, you know, when Italian you Italian muggers, Turk rebels. Yes, when, when she puts in her author's notes, so this is a very oh, dark chapter. By I was the way, picturing, like, a rape scene off. or something. Yeah, this author's note at the beginning. I'm going. I'm thinking. Rape scene, child molestation, yeah. blood, yeah. gut. Yeah. Something's no. gonna really horrify me. I'm like, you bad do not sex. know your audience. Bad girl. sex. Bad <laughs> sex. It's really so bad. bad. We can't, it's so bad. We can't even talk about it in the morning, and we'll try it again tomorrow, yeah. and it's even worse. Is, yeah, I get that. How is that uh, disturbing? How is I get unless you're like 13 and you think that sex is wonderful all the time. Yes, like, every time. Yes, and yes, virgins ravage. Every time you know. see stars. Yeah, yeah. virgins <laughs> ravage people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> How many virgins Some... sex can successfully ravage anyone? <laughs> He's Harry Potter. Come on! But, uh, I so swear to God, that's one of my is... favorite clips from the intro. Is that <laughs> line of Jen. He's Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm like, Harry's not beating his chest. He's probably so nervous that he ain't getting enough. What is it about Harry being Harry Potter that people think makes it gives him like a magic cock or something? It's like, well, you know, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sorry. Like, I just love that phrase. Magic, about the fact magic cock. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like the part where everyone's like, Draco Malfoy is a sex god. And I'm like, he's inbred. Come on. I know. <laughs> automatically has magic powers like like awesome magic powers more than the you know actual magic powers so well, obviously that extends to the bedroom as well you know it makes oh, sense to me. well i mean i'm just <laughs> saying obviously because he has super sperm he's got to have magic cock like, no, we've done right. that thing we've done that have you thing. ever seen uh have you, have you guys ever seen the movie mall rats 
Yes. Yeah. No. Okay, the people who have seen it, talking about Superman and <laughs> the mad the super sperm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking about just now. And my oh, thing is, I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're recuperating from. It's like she's recuperating from hip surgery, and she's having sex with a mage. I don't think that's helpful, but whatever. But anyway, yeah. so now you have the scene where Harry is walking At least away, he didn't, like rip her open and yeah. destroy her headboard. Oh <laughs> God, her let's not go. <laughs> I have no control over my podcast. I'm just going to talk over the laughter and hope it works. And, so here's no. the thing. So you have no. the moment where it's not going well, and they're walking away. And now you've been reading through this angst, and I even made a note. Okay, I love the fact that this is completely angsty, that they're, they're, they're dysfunctional as hell, but it needs to go somewhere. Because it's been yeah. weeks and weeks of dysfunction. And right after that, Hermione says, I feel like this should go somewhere. And I'm like, thank you. I was just thinking that myself. So... <laughs> Like, so I'm have really unsatisfied by this just really bad sex we're having. We should do something yes. else. Then Harry turns and walks away, and they're at this point where, think about this, this entire three-month separation was caused by Hermione not wanting to rock the boat. Think about that for a second. So now it's even going further out of control. No one's there to snap, like, to slap these people in the face and say, sit down and talk and everything will be fine. And then Harry falls in a fountain, and I'm thinking to myself, mm, that works. The fountain <laughs> works. Because what you needed in the story was either you needed something to happen. You either needed to have Laura smash their heads together and lock them in a room in an elevator and say, work this out. You needed something to happen. Harry falling into a fountain worked for me. It did. Okay. Okay. No one works else, for right? you. No Doesn't work else. for me. No. We'll leave it All alone. Right. <laughs> worked for me. Right in and tell Chi how wrong she is. That would be Lady Chi, L A D Y C H I, com. She will respond to your emails within six to eight weeks. It's like the shipping and handling thing. It's like buying stuff from New Zealand. She just wrote back to me the other day on my original email I sent her in 2007. She just got... That is so... You're making me sound horrible. But no one will know because everyone believes me because I'm a Hufflepuff. It's wonderful. But can I just say, I love the the fact that they refer to their awful sex as mutual masturbation. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. I thought that was great. I thought that was hilarious. I got oh, a flash of, that, of the of a Levy Boehm personally. Oh yeah, Levy Boehm. <laughs> yeah. And the other line I really no thought was. For those of you who thought Hermione was a bitch leaving Harry in the hospital, was that it felt to him like he was back under the cupboard, where there was no one there, and he was just by himself. Okay, that line made me cry, because I'm totally a... Like, you know how Melinda and Jules are like that? They, like, are bad about... Yeah, I was channeling Melinda and Jules. I was like, that's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, and I I mean, that's... I mean that were I the way I read the scene was that neither of them, both of them screwed up. Yeah. But yeah. Harry screwed up in the cloister. Hermione screwed up in the hospital. Everyone screwed up, and they finally came back together, 
and then Hermione's like, crap, I'm standing in the final, and then I get pneumonia, and I'm, you know, recuperating, and I just beat up Turkish rebels, and I hurt my hip. So they, they get her back, and everything works out, and then they decide to have some fun. Well, then they have sex for, like, a year and a half. Like, every day is sex day. <laughs> and yeah, other well, that's the way it was before. Like, that's not really that unusual for their relationship, honestly, in this fix. Here's, like, here's, here's remember the question. three hours later part? No, I don't remember that to whether you were... Refer- no, I remember the they started having sex, and the next line is several days later. Several days later. <laughs> but here's my, here's my question. Harry's now, a machine. Harry was going to take, uh, like, an eight-week cruise around the world, when really, if you live in the biggest house in the world, and you have, you know, the most money in the world, really, why not? Because, like, I'm taking a two-week vacation to, like, you know, Biloxi for my honeymoon, but whatever. So, he, he has... <laughs> But then there's a line where Harry says that I have, like, two months vacation time on the books. I'm staying in Florence. So then I'm thinking, okay, he's spending his honeymoon time, which obviously he's not having now, in Florence. So then my question is, how are they going on the honeymoon? Now, I'm actually thinking, I'm so into the story now, I'm debating Harry's sick leave policy. Like, that is the <laughs> point where I'm at in the story. So I thought that was a little... Yeah, I well, you know. have to I, keep I in mind, in yeah. Europe, they, they get, get a hell of a lot more of yeah. vacation time. And they didn't they have like a five day work or did they have like a four day work week in France until recently? Like you would just cut down to three days. I don't think so. In Arkansas, there have been a lot of um, they trying in in smaller cities. They're doing four day work weeks because they're doing the the four by ten thing. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, they're, they're trying to do that a few places around here too. I'd yeah, they do that. Much. Really hoping nowhere I work does that because ten hours a day is a little bit much. Well, the university that I, one of the universities I went to, they switched to a four day class week, yeah. so all classes were just two days a week to save on energy costs because it's so expensive. They, that makes they sense. just did a thing today. They just did that. Um, Utah government just went four days, and everyone gets Friday off or whatever. So. They were doing that here, too. I will say one thing, because I know she tends to be the critical one, and I tend to be the, I love the story, touch it, and I kill you. <laughs> I will say this. I loved, every scene I've said that I've loved so far, I've loved very, very much. I hated, 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 hated the scene on the balcony the <laughs> next day, where Harry says such long, I believe it was, I have this in my notes, I forget what scene this was in, but at one point, Harry said, and I swear to God, he uttered the phrase, "Let I, I want to know what's going on in your head. Harry Potter <laughs> said that. But there was, it was Harry's dialogue felt like it was being read off a teleprompter. And I actually cheered when they had sex because it marked the end of the scene. And she's like, are we having sex on the balcony? I'm like, Hermione, who cares? It shuts him up. Just do whatever he says. So that, yeah. that worked for me. And then so that, so that scene was just really not annoying. a fan of. And I was, you no, know, it was, it was just the dialogue was bad. <laughs> You're and, not a fan um, of Harry monologuing then, I guess. That's a, no, because I, because only I can do it. I'm actually not a fan of any character monologuing any at any yeah. time. Seriously, if a character talks for more than three or four sentences, I stop reading. It's monologuing horrible. It's does not. It's it's yeah. so poorly written outside of Shakespeare, honestly. Mo- well, even Shakespeare kind of. Stuck yeah. Well, I don't know what you people are, are talking still, about. I think mon- I think monologuing is fabulous. I don't know what you people are talking. Too brute. <laughs> but um, one thing I just want to say here is one thing I the, the one thing that really attracts me to to Laurie Speck is that when you go through it, all of the characters are really, really. Um, I think if I go back, put this. They all have very severe flaws. They are. I forget who the philosopher was, but there's a philosopher who said that like all people are selfish and that's the core of humanity and that like if your daughter is sick, you're not sad because you love your daughter, you're sad because you have to pitch your life without your daughter, if that makes sense. So 
there's the point where we're used to Harry Potter characters who were incredibly, incredibly, incredibly selfish, and they are selfless, and they selfless, yeah. They want, yeah, they're, they're selfless, and all they care about is, you know, I will give my life for Harry, and you know, without Harry, I am nothing, and I will fall. Harry's, the altar Harry's, I will give yeah. my life for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, and it's like Harry's response. Like when Harry finds out that Hermione gave an unspecified period of her life for him, his first response is, "I feel relieved because I thought it could be worse." How selfish do I feel? I'm yeah, that you gave a portion of your life, and Hermione's like, "You know what? I know you just went through a lot, but I went through a lot too. I need you to take some personal time." Like for people to say that, it doesn't sound like the Harry Potter characters, but it's true. It makes sense that they it makes it more real, say- honestly, than than the yeah. Harry Potter characters tend to be a little bit. Uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? The phrase I'm looking for? Is it one-dimensional? They tend to... They, they don't seem to... Some of them don't seem to really grow or change that much. I don't think Harry changes that much over the course of the series, honestly. Like, he's always he's always very selfless and, you know, he always does, you know, whatever he's... Honestly, he always tells whatever he's told, honestly, you know, except for a short period in book, book five. Every other time he seems to, you know, follow, you know, Dumbledore's lead and he doesn't, doesn't seem to learn from that lesson. So I thought what? that was... I thought... Yeah, I thought that was just, that was just the thing that got to me. You don't want to have a Dumbledore like, conversation. I'm... Get, ooh, I'll get mad. <laughs> yeah, but oh, that, that... Oh, we'll, we'll throw down some time, Chi. Chi, I, Oh, yeah, I, that, we'll, go, we'll go at it. I'll do... I will defend Dumbledore to the end of we, the year. Oh, will you? Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. This could be interesting. Uh, I'm not, anyway, I'm not sure what's going on with Aaron right here. I couldn't tell if he was like if he was musing yeah. or if he was having a tiny little orgasm. That's what I was wondering too. I was very concerned about that. It was a musegasm or something. I don't know. Because yeah, yeah, I'm like, like you know, we, like, are you are you are you? Never mind. I'm that's that would turn this. I was I was picturing in my head the incredibly fun. Uh, uh, a debate we would have about how uh, Dumbledore is, you know, written totally as this just manipulative bastard, and you would be agreeing with me the whole time because that's the way you know you you agree with people. Gee, yeah, right? I I always everybody? agree with everybody. And you never yeah. use sarcasm as a weapon. Hmm. No, she doesn't. No. Nope. All right. Sarcasm is the lowest form of wit. All right, what did everyone think of Harry and Hermione after their many, many weeks of sex and sex and more sex and more sex? Well, let me actually, even before I get there, can I just say this too? I, you know, so Harry figures out, now there's this scene where Harry and Hermione are walking around and they're discussing their, um, you know, the fact that they're just discussing, you know, their, their, their past screw-ups and their relationships. And I, I tried to sum up the scene in my notes and this is what I came up with. Harry, I kissed Allegra. Hermione, I shagged Draco. Harry, word. Because it's like, you, go through, you have a scene where Allegra just randomly shows up at Harry's house and kisses him, and he kisses back. Oh my god, she's freaking weird, and like pushes her away, and she lies first and says that it wasn't personal, but you know it was personal, and everything she did was personal. So he's like, I kissed her, and I love Hermione going down the list. You kissed Jimmy? No. All right. You kissed Joe? I'll kill you if you kissed Joe. It wasn't Joe. All right. Well, kind of thing, bro. You didn't kiss the evil bitch who pretended I was dead, did you? Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I was weak. You weren't there. I have needs. So, like, I was picturing just the scene going in Hermione's head, and she's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. So. Well, Hermione did kiss, uh, or Napoleon did, she did kiss Hermione, or Napoleon back when he kissed her when they were in the, in the uh, what's it called, the uh, domain. 
the, the sad part is he probably forgot he did it. <laughs> so oh, he so did sad. forget he did it. That's the whole reason he did it in the first place because he knew he was going to forget. Yep. Yeah. What would you do if you could like you knew you had like ten minutes to do something that you would forget that you had done so you would never have to feel guilty about it? I'm such well, a Catholic would... that that idea is like fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, like the, the hypothetical world with no consequences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah but the other person but remembers. The other the other person remembers that you did it is the other side because Hermione well, remembers okay. that, right? Well, uh-huh. but the thing of it is, is like okay. As a Catholic, sometimes, like, because it, it's just guilt, like, like right now, I feel extremely <laughs> guilty that I haven't done laundry in a week. Like, uh, it really is causing me problems. <laughs> Catholics, Catholics have have developed guilt to an art form, I think. I yeah, I think I think it's like between us and the Jews is like who is like extremely <laughs> guilty about stuff. Yeah. No, please Jews hold for a message from our resident Jew. <laughs> Jews, have, Jews have taken suffering to the, have have uh, yeah. developed suffering to an art form. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Oh my gosh, I would gosh, like to apologize to the that. Jews and the Chinese at this time. <laughs> I just think that, oh no, no. what's what do you apologize to the Jews for? That's that, they'll totally. Say that. Yeah, they will. But what was really funny? I was talking to Itai the other day, and Itai is getting married and is having oh. issues. Oh, he's getting married. <laughs> he's oh, like, he was telling me, and Itai's confined to a wheelchair. And Itai was telling me he was going to go to Las Vegas and get married. And I was <laughs> like, God, this, you, have to, you have to know Itai. It was like the funniest image in, of my, in my head of Itai I've ever had. It was so funny. I just I, imagine him in his like little motorized wheelchair, like, <laughs> drinking like water and lemon because he doesn't drink. And <laughs> <laughs> my only yeah. interaction with Itai is on that one podcast he did, but I can totally see that you know being hilarious. He's so funny. Anyway, what were oh, we talking uh, about? Uh, guilt. Uh, hang on. Oh yeah, the stick. Paradigm of uncertainty. Oh yeah. Hang on. Guilt. Guilt. I Sherry Draco words. All right. What does everyone think of Harry and Hermione at the gala ball? playing a trick on the Wombat Association. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, the, the trick on the Wombat Association, very, or the Operation Wombat, uh, or the Wombat Corps, or the... Uh, the, uh, the it's like, lo- the, it's the, like the, the Wombat it's, Army yeah. of Champions. Well, they think that Hermione is like recuperating slowly. You know, can I just say this too? The entire time Harry and Hermione are in, you know, we're sleeping in the same condo, but we apparently hate each other mode no one's responding to their mail so you have to picture Hermione's parents oh I was nearly killed and I was poisoned and I've got you know roofie in my body it's not coming out and I I, I think I need an enema and all this crap is happening no pun intended <laughs> And, you know, her, her parents are writing her letters. She's like, I'm going to put those in the standby pile and they're going, I'll write back next month. It's like, okay, because don't write to your friends or family. Like, only write back, you know, to work because work is very important. So they finally get back. So now they write back and Harry's like, I got me a new woman. And Hermione's like, I need a new hip. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Laura has made a decision. I hate the new girl. And Ginny's like, well, it's very sad to be the new girl because she's walking into this fire-breathing pit of people who obviously don't like her and it's not her fault Harry blah 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 and Laura who is Rena said she is evil and she must be killed (laughs) so it's not going well and Justin's like, this is like my parents' marriage. This is so exciting. And it's just, it, it's a very cool scene. And then Hermione shows up and she's wearing like the dark robe. She looks like Spock from Star Trek Three at the end where she's wearing like the big robe that goes down over her face. And they pull it back and it's Hermione and there was cheering and the children jumped and they, uh, it, it worked very well. But um, that was my thought on that. Well, they were jumping. Yay, it's Hermione. Well, that was the thing. The, the Wizarding mer- World must be incredibly bored 
the the fact that they're back together, every time they dance, everyone else clears the room. <laughs> Dude, it's like, think about it. They're they are Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt of the Wizarding World, like or Angel or Angelina. <laughs> Yeah, or that couple. Angelina. The Wizarding World lives and breathes their gossip about this couple. I, I can totally see them, you know, people being, and especially since they're both, you know, kind of approachable, unlike, you know, these, you know, and the Wizarding World is so so much smaller that it's it's almost like a, it's, it's like a small town, I've always thought of it, the the, the way they, the, she kind of describes it. There's so, there's so few people, everybody kind of knows everybody. And, and I just want to say this about the Wizarding World, too, because it's something that just jumped to my mind, is that when we first, when my office first got started and we were all new co-workers, we needed an excuse to have a party every day, so we had, like, month, monthly <laughs> birthday cakes for anyone who may have been born that month we had um anytime there was a significant event you know like a wedding an engagement you know we had a cake we had literally six cakes a month at one point like we just wanted to have a party hogwarts has a reunion every year for everybody it's not like it's your fifth reunion because they had a gala last year because i'm not sure if you remember this but harry and hermione had sex on the point where where ron died like they, 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 there's a gala every I, I, whoa 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 year. They, they they had sex at the place where ron died yeah. When did that? I, I totally missed that. Did you, did, what did you? What do you think about that, Ryan? Was that a good idea or a bad idea? Um, I think I think that may have been that may have been the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And thank you for asking. Um, okay, I just well, want to make sure you got that off your chest. Uh, you, sound- you know what? You know what? It wasn't the part where they had sex in the spot where Ron died. When they took out the salt and they and they put salt on the earth so nothing would ever grow there again. I thought that was a little that was a little over the top. But I thought the fact that they have galas every single year is just a tremendous waste of revenue. And this is why Hogwarts is raising tuition. I don't know. But that was my thought on that. I, I think that we should move on and talk about um, finding Ron or finding out that Ron is, is yes. alive. I think we have yes. talked the Harry Ron Hermione relationship. Harry Hermione relationship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Harry, oh, Ron, and Hermione together in a relationship? That's a, that, sounds like, that sounds like a what fan fiction premise. Them? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I'm sorry. I have I have a statement to make. I have a statement to make first. I have a statement to make first. Okay. Go for it. All right. Let's go over Hermione Granger's sex life. Okay. You have sex with Ron, and you high five him, and you say one more thing off the checklist—a comment I will get to later—and he dies within hours. The, the, there was a reference to the fact that they had sex, high fived, and said one thing less to do. So you can tell Lori put the great. You can tell Lori is registered the checkmated dot com. So you know. So Hermione sex life chapter one. Have sex with Ron. Ron is dead within three hours. Okay, maybe that didn't go as well as we hoped. Have sex with Gerald. Gerald turns out to be Draco Malfoy. Okay, that did not work well. Have sex with Harry. Harry seems to be possessed by an evil dark wizard. That did not go well. Um, have sex with Harry again. Harry is depressed and on you know some type of medication, and he does not acknowledge the sex at any other point other than the time where he's having. So it's like neutral masturbation. Okay, you're you're Hermione Granger. You're at your sink, and you hear the front door hello, and no one answers. And you hear the kitchen door open, and you hear footsteps approach you, and you hear someone like like hold you down on the countertop and start breathing on you for 60 (laughs) seconds. That's weird. Even if you know the person, 
breathes <laughs> on you for 60 seconds. Yeah. And Hermione's like, oh, this is such a turn-on. All I could think of is, then there's a scene, she's literally, she's chopping tomatoes, and I'm actually doing the chopping motion here, and there was actually dialogue, like, it's written in the story, he takes the knife out of her hand, and I'm waiting for, and plunges it into her abdomen. <laughs> Here's like, where I'm video. <laughs> Here's our yeah. video podcast, so we have a, an actual video of Ryan making a chopping motion with no knife in his hand, but actual and no tomato, but just making the little chopping motion. Be hold great. on, I can do that. Hold on, I can do that. Hold on. He can. Make oh, hold on. G, hold, hold. Everybody, hold. Rina, Rina, hold. Mm-hmm. We need to have some 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 music on here. You know, uh, elevator music. So all I can think of is Hermione, with your history, if someone holds you down over the counter, grabs the knife out of your hand and is breathing on you like creepily, creepily, all I can think of is ask for two forms of ID now. <laughs> reading that, I'm like, this is either something that belongs on adultfanfiction.net or it's a scene from a bad Scream movie. That was my only response to that. As it turns out, it was Harry playing. I just, I think it's hilarious that you're like, <laughs> he's like. I was like, I was like, she's gonna get raped. Oh my god! Nobody warned me that she's gonna get raped. It's like she's getting turned on, and I was like, okay, things that don't turn me on. <laughs> Guys getting raped. Behind, no warning, and taking the only well, thing I have out of my hand, and then breathing no, and- on my neck. I would be like elbow in the groin, I'm going to get rid of your ability to have children because obviously, if you think that's a good idea, your genes no. do not need to continue. <laughs> no. no, it's even a worse there's a, idea. There's a strange and also frightening logic to that, Chi. Here's Thank the thing. You. A few years ago, when my mother was, she was, she was, uh, it was Thanksgiving and she had her apron on and she had a large butcher knife in her hand and she looked at me and said, do I look fat in this? Oh, there's moments in your life where you have to know the right thing to say and the wrong thing to say, the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Did now, you say you yes? Like? You look fat because if you did, I, we're talking. I said, ghost. I said, mother dear, you look wonderful, and I ran like hell. Now, when you okay, you're going to tiptoe into the kitchen where the trained spy, the government agent, has a knife in her hand, sneak up behind her, grab her, and start breathing on her, you're going to lose a body part. That is the stupidest thing. I hope they at least had a safety word or something. (laughs) I know. No, but you know what? He came up behind her and he like breathed on her neck and he's like bananas and then he, you know <laughs> starts you know trying to turn her on or whatever so that she knows it's him. Otherwise, I would be yeah. moving. Yeah, again. or is it whatever his code name is like Roland or Roland, Roland, Roland. Bros is always Roland. Whatever the Roman. Roland on the river. Can I just say, no, I love that where her where her cousin who's an OC and I can't think of who she's supposed to be when her cousin is saying, "Oh, here's the part where you did the Ouija board and you're marrying a guy named Roman," and her mind is like, <gasps> you know, so like at least have a word. But I think in the scene in the kitchen, I think Harry was like teleporting it in from the other room because then she turns around, there's no one there, which is kind of weird because I was just groped by Casper the ghost, so it's a little weird. But um, all right, I just needed to get that off my chest before we got to the Ron scene. Now here's my thing. I'm, I can I can live with the fact that they they need the fact that Ron is still a big deal 
is important. The fact that Ron is a big deal in their life and they need to get over it and, you know, he died. Like that, I love that, could not be happier. The fact that they they break down and have a sob session on the point where he where he died, I'm okay with. I can even rationalize, if you have to have sex on the spot where he died to get over it, as long as it's working for you and you're getting through your problems, do whatever you need to do, just don't tell me about it later. Like, that's all yes. right. But here's the thing. They they got over the death of Ron. I think it's it says something about them that they that you know they could deal with it. It's okay that they don't have you know they 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 didn't witness it. They can get over the fact they've cleansed, they have mourned, they have mourned Ron. I have a problem with out of the blue, Harry, who the only interaction we've had with Ron is is like I call him like head Ron. He had Ron in his mind when Harry yeah, in that was dream. attacking him. Yeah, in the dream sequence. And that's the, so oh, I don't know if about Harry that dream sequence a, for a second, though, if I may, yeah. if I may jump in here. Uh, I, yeah. I loved in the dream sequence that it's oh my god, it's Ron. Oh wait, it's a dream. Damn it! But then, of course, there's the oh so predictable Ron getting on Harry's back for touching Ginny moment because th- 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 there's no fic that is complete without that moment. Even if it's a Harry whomping Willow fic, there has to be a, a moment where Ron is like, "You touched my sister," you know? Yes, it's like almost <laughs> yes. a requirement. Well, no. I love the fact there's even a line at the end when Ron's actually when we find out Ron's alive and he's in the hospital. I forget if he's talking about Hermione or he's like Harry. Look, I'm not going to get on your back about dating my sister. I'm not going to. I don't know if he said Hermione or his sister, but he actually acknowledges the. Yeah. Well, Laurie puts those things in here. It's like the part where Laurie's like, "As Theo, can you believe there's an alternate universe out there where Harry ends up with Draco and Hermione ends up with George Weasley, which is obviously a crack at bad fan fiction, but I mean." Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, that's fine. But here's the thing. I, I get the fact that you have cleansed, you have healed, you're, you're okay. And other than Hedron making an appearance, which is never mentioned again, things are going good. So then it's like, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, typical day. Bailey Croft, Harry gets the mail, he feeds the dog, which is conveniently named after his dead mother, which is kind of weird. Like, when you buy your boyfriend a dog, do you name it after your dead mother-in-law? He starts crying, and Hermione's like, that's wonderful. I'm like, no, you idiot, you just named the dog after his dead mother-in-law. Mother, what are you thinking? But, okay. So Harry walks up to Hermione, says, Hermione, I feel like we need to deal with the death of Ron. And I'm like, again? Like, I'm the biggest proponent for dealing with the death of Ron, but you've dealt, and you've dealt, and you've dealt. Dealt. He's like, now, here's what I was thinking. I wanted to get you something for the wedding. And I was thinking, what do you get someone who has everything? I mean, we don't need clothes. You have a Mercedes. We have money. I didn't know what to get you. I was wondering. I was wondering, (laughs) what if I gave you the home movies of Ron's dead body? Would that be something like his early wedding? Why the hell is this almost as appropriate as having sex on the place where he died? (laughs) (laughs) Almost that appropriate. Not quite. Why would you give? It's like, like with that. And he even refers to it as like, I know it's a little weird, but I thought it's like an early wedding gift. I could give you my memories. Of Ron's death. It looks like it, he's like it's almost like he's saying I, it looks like that wound was maybe starting to heal a little bit. <laughs> so I'm gonna get some salt and just rub it in there. No, you know what it was? And I and I know we're jaw it's late at night. I I really love this I love the characters, I love the story. I'm very like I'm not just I really love it. But all I could think of was okay, Hermione, in celebration of you naming a dog after my dead mother, whose death I was finally starting to come to grips with, <laughs> I have decided, here's your ex-boyfriend's dead body in a home video. Happy wedding, darling. Like, it was just, it was weird. My only problem with it, I love the the, 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 the plot line of Ferran being alive, and I don't know why he's alive, and I'm sure I'll find out later why he's alive. 
But it was just... There was no setup. It was like the last episode of Voyager where Chakotay was all of a sudden in love with Seven and we didn't know why. It was just, why the hell are we dealing with Ron again? Like, it didn't make any sense. Right. But if you had changed it, like, in my mind, if if there was... Like, all I could say is, like, you almost needed to have that happen when they cried his grave. Like, if they had done it then, this is like what you were saying earlier, Chi, if you would just move the scene over here, it would have made a lot more sense. If you had just somehow moved the scene... But then it would have been weird, because it would have been like, oh, we've come to Crips with Ron's death. Oh my god, he's alive! Like, that would have been a little weird, too. So you have to... Balance. Well, I just thought it was really. It's like I was, seeing, I was. I was actually Sorry, having this conversation with um with Keza earlier. Um, Lori has this problem with timing in that most of the things it with pacing actually, and, and <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that I. I just oh, I'm gonna come out sending like a horrible bitch again, and I'm I kind of am, but I'm really not. I just think somebody there should have been somebody. They're going, um, you have to build up to things. Like, I, I'm not sure if somebody ever said, okay, this is how you build a story. You start at the bottom and then you work towards a climax. So everything kind of has to be. Different make spin on that, though? Different huh? spin on that, though? There's parts of the story where the dialogue is incredible. There's parts uh-huh. of the story where, like, the relationship of Harry and Hermione is building slowly, slowly, slowly. So it's not that she doesn't get that. It's like there's just parts of the story. There's that just, are just where she's a lot. like, she's like, you know what? I'm doing fantastic. I'm gonna mess up now. <laughs> no, it, I, and, I, and I mean that in the most respectful way. There's parts of the story that the dialogue is incredible, and I'm like, yeah, I've had that conversation, I, and that's one of the reasons I like the story. Like I was saying to Chi last night, they seem like real people, and she's like, who wants to read about real people? I'm a real person, and I'm like, screw you. But, and, I mean, there, and there's ways to do. Okay, okay, it's like you know, I said this before, but you know, it's kind of. Who wants to read the book Harry Potter in the Average Normal Year at Wizard School? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I've read yeah. that thing. It's, we've talked about this many times. I've read that. But the, yeah. the Hermione Harry relationship over the. Like, it makes sense. Okay, you've, you, you were a trio and, and one of you died and you've had to come to grips with it and you've had all these. You know, here's all everything that's happened to you. I can. I'm, it's not like a year like none other where I had a hard time accepting state. Like, I accept this. I'm totally on board with you have made me into a harmonian congratulations but my problem is there's some points where it's like no, you, you know and they had this wonderful scene and all of a sudden oh by the way Hermione, you want to go look at ron's dead body in my memory okay harry and they go in it's like cause it's like she didn't know how to get them there and i could think of a hundred ways better than that <laughs> so it's like yeah that oh, was well. my only problem it wasn't here's the thing so they get there and it makes sense that okay ron had an injury that Seth knew nothing about, or Allegra knew nothing about, or, or Master knew. Or I, I can't even remember. Whoever it was that did the, the body switch. Who, whoever the it was. The yeah. circle, whoever, the, the square, the trapezoid, whoever it was. You know, they didn't <laughs> know about the mark that only Hermione would know because she had just slept with them hours before. The dodecahedron. And, there. <laughs> and, no, and, and Hermione never looked at the body because Harry held her back, and Harry held her back because he didn't want her to see the lightning-shaped scar carved in his forehead because then she would hate him. And there's even an earlier scene where she says, would I have hated him? I might have, because that would have been you know, so traumatizing, and people react badly like that. So the, the whole scene made sense because it made perfect sense to me why Hermione never saw the body. And then by the time Hermione would have seen the body, they would have, everyone else would have assumed that the, that the thing was healed and it, 
it made perfect sense to me, and it made perfect sense that if Hermione saw it, she would realize, hey, in this year of my life, we've had 43 dead bodies show up, none of whom were actually dead people. You know, maybe we should... So she's had the concept, you know, open to her. So the, the whole scene flowed well from George's you know, screaming at Harry and Hermione, you know, that they were partially responsible for Ron's death, which isn't true, but he has to put his anger somewhere. Everything felt right to me, except how the hell they got in the damn pensive to start with. That was the only thing I had, I took issue with. Everything else I thought was very yeah. wrong from that point forward. Well, they needed, she needed, she wanted to have that, that twist, and she had to get there somewhere, and uh, I think the fact that she, I thought she set it up well that, that yes, uh, like you said, they they didn't. Um, she she never did see the body. You know, there was there was a good plausible reason for that. And uh, and I think that if you um, uh, it, with hindsight, unfortunately, but uh, I wish I'd caught it the first time. But I think that you could probably catch the context clues going through the second book when you when you hear about the the fake body of Harry's um, that you could think, wait a second, Ron also could that could have also been Ron. And then it's not as big a but I, well, I that was really good, and I, I will admit, I, it was spoiled for me that Ron would come back, and I didn't know if it was head Ron. I, w- I was unclear how Ron would come back. I just knew Ron would make an appearance. And just in fairness to the podcast too, when I've been predicting in previous episodes, maybe Ron will come back because of all these dead bodies. Like possibly Pansy is a bo- garden gnome. What? Yeah, that wasn't me being cute. Like, I was actually catching on to the fact that there's 43 dead bodies. But the one thing that always slipped through was that a dead Harry shows up. And yeah. everyone's like, all right, well, you know what? Maybe that's someone just trying to add confusion. That plot point just kind of fell to the wayside. So then when they're like, okay, why would that dead body have shown up? It never occurred to me. What if it was the same person who sent the dead body of Ron, but they fell for that one? And it did force them to stop looking. Like, it just seemed like a cute plot line of, Mwahaha, Hermione will never stop looking for Harry, and she will find the scar on the wrist, and she will know this is not him, and we will keep searching. It never occurred to me, what if it worked before, and that's why they sent it again? And I'm like, it was one of those moments where I'm reading, I'm like, oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me. It was, that was a really, I really liked that moment. And I don't know where the plot line's going. I don't know why Ron was was kept in like the lap of luxury and why he had a, you know a guard like a jailer named ironically Bob who you know took <laughs> care of him and I I don't get the reason for it but I love what it does to the characters I love the fact that Harry feels guilty because he kept Hermione from looking at the body and Hermione feels guilty because if she had just looked at the damn body and made Harry you know leather in she could have saved her on 10 years ago and every, everyone's guilty, and everyone has reason to be guilty. And it just—I love plot devices like that that make the characters do interesting things. So at this mm-hmm. point, without knowing the explanation of why they took them, it's—it makes a lot of sense to me. I like it very, very, very much. I like the scene after they rescue Ron, and Hermione and Harry and Ron are all sitting on the floor eating pizza. And this is at the very end of our reading for tonight. And Ron is looking for some sign that Harry and Hermione are together and isn't picking up on anything. Because I think that's interesting that it's showing that in some way, bringing Ron back fixed the relationship in terms of the three of them together, but has somehow not broken, but kind of 
I mean, it's nice to see that, like, it's not going to be all sunshine and daisies and we're all going to hold hands and la-di-da. Because, like, ten years have passed and there's going to be a lot of issues, I think, in in terms of guilt and... and, I mean, because, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but, like, if I'm walking down the street and I see one of, like, my ex-boyfriends with a new girl, even if I'm with somebody else, it's like... It's like a kick in the head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the scene. Ron's in with the Weasleys, and he's like, just tell me the truth. Tell me they they found happiness. And and Janine's like, okay, Ron, they're engaged. Oh, thank God, that's wonderful. And everyone's like looking at him like a bomb's about to go off. Who did they get engaged (laughs) to? And they're like, oh, this is going to be painful. But, no, let me ask you that, because I know we're jumping. Okay, the last scene... Okay, we have the quickie scene, where, you know, Harry realizes, of course... You know, Hermione realizes, ooh, I like quickies, and Harry realizes that he respects her very much as a person. But, like, the one thing I... The one thing I really liked... It's the weirdest scene ever. But the one thing I really liked about it was... Here's the thing. If I was friends... Okay, if my friend, you know, died, and I started dating his girl... His... His widowed girlfriend and we were going to get married and we found out my friend was really alive but trapped in the well I would be like oh my god he's free and this poor guy and he's been a prisoner and this is wonderful but you know part of you is thinking is this going to mess up my relationship is this going to mess up my wedding date is this going to it's completely selfish but it's so natural if I were Harry in this position I would be so worried that the return of Ron would make Hermione reconsider dating me. I'm a Harry Ginny fan, so I see this as Hermione came to love Harry because of the fact that Ron died, so she was in circumstances the latter two. I know it's not what the fic saying, but that's what I thought. So I would be, if I were Harry, I would be tremendously, I would feel tremendously vulnerable, and I would be very tense about Ron coming back because I would be selfish and say, what is this going to do to my relationship? So the fact that when Hermione does the spell that causes them to walk around and mumble things and, and, and cuddle on the floor with all the pillows and they get into Ron's mind and they don't remember things, but they can say them. So they have to make Hermione say the thing really, really fast before she thinks about it. And then she'll remember where he is. And they beam her inside solid rock to find his flat. It's weird. But the, you know, the fact that they go through all this and the first thing she yells out when she wakes up is Ron. She calls out Ron's name. Harry feels jealous because she's calling out Ron, who's the guy she's trying to find. So it's, that makes a lot of sense to me that Harry would do that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I like that very much. I guess my thing is, in the last scene, they instinctively don't hold hands in front of Ron. They don't want to make Ron feel weird. And my question yeah. is, in the last scene, when he notices that they're like a triangle that's broken because they're each holding his hand, but they're not holding each other's, is that a way of foreshadowing difficulty in their relationship? Or is that Ron noticing the fact that they're acting differently around him because they don't want to make him feel uncomfortable? I think the that we'll find that out next week. Dun, dun, dun. No, okay. Do you know? or you have no but, idea. What's what she said? Dun, no dun, idea. dun, yeah. I have no idea, but I'm guessing the latter rather than the former. I wasn't sure, because it was like they stressed the fact that everything was fine, but it was the way it was written and made me go, huh, I wonder what's going on there. But I really did love... It's exactly what you said. I thought the Ron scene and the Ron rescue was probably my favorite scene in the fix so far, and I really did enjoy the cloister scene with Harry and Hermione. But even if you're a Harry, Ginny diehard, it's 
a Harry who hasn't seen Ron in years. He's so vulnerable. He's trapped in like a broom closet. He can't even speak. He can't call out for help. And he just, he comes out and he hugs Harry and he falls to the ground. And the exact line I think was, he, he was home. And it reminded me like of an after the end line. Very simple. Yeah. He was home. And, it, and then Hermione comes in and picture Hermione. She's treating one of the wounded soldiers and someone, one of the wounded officers. And someone comes back and says, you might want to get in there. He found your friend. It's like, this yeah. is confirmation that she walks through the And so they fall together and they're all holding each other. And Ron doesn't even know, you know, the, if they would be there or if they would be together or if they hate each other now or what happened. It's just, it's such a good, it's just such a good scene because I usually can't stand Ron so I think the only way you can make me really like Ron is if you lock him in the closet for 10 years but I just really <laughs> that's horrible I, I that, no but I, I thought that was just such a good and the one thing I love is medical screw ups like I know Rena works in the hospital but I love it when like when my father was having his cancer surgery the hospital called us at 3 o'clock in the morning to say he didn't have health insurance <laughs> <laughs> and what actually, or it was, I'm sorry, it was when he was having his heart surgery because they transposed two digits in his health insurance card. And they were telling us we had to pay like $800,000. That was because they they swapped the four and the five. But hospitals, like, my the part that got to me was no one told Molly Weasley that Ron was, in fact, not locked in the broom closet for the last 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, because it was like he was no. living in this very nice apartment. Flat. He was a prisoner. Yeah. He, Underground. He was in a very nice flat. For, for years, and then in the last two days, they locked him in the broom closet without air or ability to move. She thought he was in there the whole time, and no one told her <laughs> until she says it to Ron. He's like, no, I wasn't in there the whole time. Like, But she was sitting there for like 36 hours, and she's like, oh my god, my poor kid, and she's like having a heart attack. And I just love the fact that no, absolutely no one told her the fact that, you know, he was actually in good conditions for 99.9% of the time. <laughs> I am not cra- I'm finally realizing the fact that people have notes that you've been typing all of this time. <laughs> you have been Harry Potter. Been- I ha- no, I didn't know you were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that makes it even funnier. <laughs> oh, that makes so. Oh, this podcast makes so much more sense to me now. Okay, but anyway, I mean that's. My that's my take at the end. I thought those scenes were great. I thought the quickie scene was the most emotionally gut wrenching scene in the entire fic. And no, it's sad. I kind of mean it when I say that. And <laughs> I do. Sorry. Well, no, it is because I'm Harry. I'm the kid who needs someone to tell me they love me five times a day, or else I don't believe they still do. Like I need a constant reassurance. I, I can't so, believe that oh, that's true. Beyonce. <laughs> but if I were Harry, like, I, I get the fact that you would be self-conscious and you would be jealous of Ron to some degree. So the fact that she, like, that the, the they had, you know, such crazy wild kinky sex on his desk, at least implies to me that she really, really loved him. And that, to me, was a very hopeful, oh, Harry's like, ah, I am complete. And then he's like, I respect you as a person. And she's like, um, that's great. Can you help me zip this up? So I thought that was just a really, that, that scene was very... I, I did really like that scene. So I feel like you guys Good. are dying. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring out? You're, it's like, near. Oh, did you mention the fact that... Okay, that I have Harry... to point out, I have to yeah. point out, you know, the thing about with Ron and Allegra, they're talking about Hermione. <laughs> That's like my favorite <laughs> <night> ever. <laughs> oh, yes. 
<laughs> I have my cat. My keep my catalog of ways in which I'd like to kill her. I visit it often. <laughs> yeah, I'm the best because there are so many times where I really wanted to just reach into the story and just slap her upside the head. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I will. I will rephrase what I had said before that this was just a, a Harry Jenny story with a different character in it. I I do think that there are a lot of elements in the story where she kind of got the characterization given the point where she wrote these stories and where she started these characters, she got the characterization right. She just got the person wrong. Yeah. yeah. In some elements. Because so it, do you it mean, was... Let me ask you this to clarify. Do you mean that Harry was actually dating in your mind Hermione? That felt like Hermione, but you just think that he should have been dating the other person? No. It's more like or- the traits that he is finding in her that he likes are traits that when we've had canon to support it, they were traits of Jenny. Yeah. Not I would say of- that this Jenny is a very relaxed, very mature person. Like, I loved her scene with Ron at the end, where she's very calm and she says, look, and she's very gentle with him, but she's like, look, you need to understand that this is what happened and you can't be angry. And she's f- laughing and she's concerned. She's a very mature for her years character. I don't think her Jenny was obviously the Ginny that we got from the canon who was the I will you know light you on fire if you piss me off and I've Molly Weasley kind of character right. but I do feel like Hermione based on what the character went through still feels like Hermione to me she doesn't feel like another character called Hermione no it's that's not what I'm saying <laughs> okay I just want to make sure okay uh, alright what, what I'm saying is it's it's the the character traits that make her kind of stand out. And and this is, I guess, why the first time that I read through this series, I kind of skimmed through a lot of it. And the thing that kept striking me was, okay, this sounds too much like Jenny. This character is too much like Jenny. And the thing is, Lori got it right that these character traits that she attributed to Hermione that Harry really liked, those are traits that he actually liked in canon. They just were given to yeah. the wrong girl. That's a product of the That's fact this okay. was a post goblet or yes. post, you know, yeah. It wasn't, it, and there was just there wasn't. He didn't a, have that evidence canon, yet, and so canon in that Jenny didn't sense, almost didn't exist at this point, honestly. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, she's like three. And in, so sense, <laughs> and in that sense, you know, she did get the characterization of what Harry would be attracted to very well. She just attributed it to the to the wrong person. You know, and yeah. I mean, I do agree. There were, like I said, there were so many moments where I, I just felt like it was either a little too over the top, or there were too many pop culture references, or there were just so many things that kept pulling me out of the references. story. Yes, and I mean, and, and I mean, I I completely agree that some stories they need to have, you know, they have a Muggle focus, and those are okay. I mean, that one, the the one that we're going to cover later that I've been pushing for a long time uh, is centered. In the Which Muggle universe, um, Creative Quill, Power of Truth, oh, Power of Faith, Power of Truth, yeah, yeah, it's centered in the Muggle world, and we see that interaction the same thing, but it's not the same. It's not like pop culture references in the same way. There were a lot of things in the story that kept pulling me out, and just, just, you know, I would start to get into it and start to agree with it, and then all of a sudden the dialogue would go to hell. Or I'd start to really get into it, and then all of a sudden, you know, it would be some very obvious reference to pop culture item. And, I mean, I really think that if Laurie had just pulled that back just a little bit and had worked on her dialogue a considerable amount, but, you know, (laughs) worked on fixing some of those dialogue issues, I think this would be a, a lot easier to swallow. I think that, from my perspective, I'm someone... I can read just about anything. Like, I have very... I have a very... 
high threshold for pain. So it's <laughs> I've read fic. No, seriously, I've read fics where the characters are not anything like themselves. But if it's a good story, I'll still read it. So it's hard for me. And if it's a bad story, you'll go like seven, eight chapters in before you stop. You keep winning. Oh, no, no, I read. I read ninety-three chapters. I mean, I'll put it this way: if I couldn't believe that Hermione and Harry should be together in the story, I couldn't read it because it just it would be it would just be like I couldn't buy into it. So I need to be sold on the premise, but once I get the premise, you can take it wherever you want, and I don't care if it's not like the canon book that came before it. I'll still read it. So I was I bought into Harry Hermione in this fic because I think she did a good job of setting up that relationship. So 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 going forward, I I, I was okay with that. Like I just, just to summarize, I really I'm enjoying it as a reading experience. I mean, yes, there's a lot of pop culture references. I love West Wing and Gilmore Girls, so it reminds me of that. So I'm used to that type of storytelling. I'm okay with the fact that it's coming in a Harry Potter fan fiction. I don't care that Joe Rowling wouldn't have written that way. It made me laugh. Napoleon makes me laugh. You know, Justin makes me laugh. Laura makes me laugh. So I'm I'm okay with the fact that it seems. We- like it doesn't throw me out of the story because that's the type of story it is. In the beginning, it was awkward, but I got what type of story it was, so I was okay reading it from that point forward. Oh, okay, God. Um, so I guess right. is it my turn for final thoughts. Uh, so final thoughts. Um, I think you know this is one of those series where it's it's interesting to listen to everybody else's different point of view because it's really hard for me to read a story and not be thinking critically about it in in terms of of uh, technique and writing and style and pacing and I mean I just I I think in an entirely different way than I think Ryan does um, mm-hmm. and it's I mean it's completely fine because Ryan's when Ryan reads a story Ryan sits down to enjoy the story when I read a story you I want to dissect it <laughs> I well I don't I well I'm waiting for somebody to impress me <laughs> it's right. like you have to impress me enough that I can forget that I do the same thing that you do um, and it happens very rarely anymore. I can't even read the Harry Potter books that way because they drive me crazy. So that's why it's hard for me to read this story because on one level, I do enjoy it. I mean, it's a fun story. I like spies. I like, I mean, if you've, if you've read any of my stuff, you know, there's a, in With All My Love, I open up with like a train. They're climbing yeah, up the, on top of the, the big train. train a, like action yeah. sequence. Yeah, exactly. Or in, in uh, Discovering Lily, there's a lot of running around and action and funny dialogue and stuff like that. And I enjoy that kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff that I like to read. It's the kind of stuff I like to write. So I enjoy it on that level. And I love a good spy story. But on another level, I feel like sometimes she really gets me going and then lets me down hard, you know? Like, she goes really, really well. Because, I mean, when I read a story, and younger authors that send me their stuff to, to, to read should really pay attention when I say this. When I read a story, I really am rooting for the author. I really want you to impress me. I really want you to do a good job, you know? So when I get to certain points where I feel like she lets me down, like maybe if she just spent an hour on the dialogue of certain portions of this. Because it really, I mean, all it would take would be deleting a few succulents and and melted and, and like words that nobody needs to use ever, full stop, when writing romance. Smoldering. (laughs) Like those kinds of stuff. Turgid. Somebody took away her purple prose pen and, and yes, you know, um, <laughs> made her write in a style that fits with the rest of it, and and maybe told her, you know, you're writing like you're writing a, a teen story, and so maybe maybe all this 
sex you can just allude to instead of showing, because you're really not all that great at writing it anyway. You know, that kind of stuff. I think what I really, really want is for her to have a better beta. <laughs> there you go. That's, I said it. I said it. I think somebody needs to sit her down and, or somebody needed to at a certain point, sit her down and say, the quality is so inconsistent that it's jarring. And so settle for mediocrity or you have to push everything up. You know, because... The, did she have a beta? I don't know. Because it's never references a beta. I don't think well, she did. Well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming not. Because she doesn't thank anybody. And if you have a beta reader and you don't thank them, first of all, it's rude. And secondly... Thanks to my beta readers, Cassie, Claire, Heidi, Tandy, Plumeria, Alicia, Oh, well, there's Sue, the problem right there. Lopez. There you go. I don't um, think she that, says that, it anywhere before Chapter 3 of A Hero with Thousand Faces that I have seen. Okay. I, See, because I think... I really do think that as the story goes on, it gets better. I mean, I thought Chapter yeah. 3 was good, so maybe she just got all those betas, like, later on or whatever. But anyway, um, what I'm saying is that quality is it's so inconsistent that it's it's really hard to focus because you want to root for her, but at the same time, if you root for her and she lets you down, then it's really kind of... Disappointing? Disappointing, yeah, exactly. And um, and the parts where it's good, it's really good. You know, yeah. um, the cloister scene, the uh, uh, the awkward scene at the at the park. I mean, there are moments in this fic that I think I will remember that I learned something from. You know, right. as a writer, as a technician, and there are things that I didn't like so much. And that happens with everything. But anyway, I'm trying to. I'm, I don't want people to think that I'm being an awful, awful witch about this because I'm really not. I don't think I'm being an awful witch. I just think... You're being critical. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be constructive mm. in, in my criticism. Yeah. And I, I don't want people to threaten my life again. But anyway, <laughs> I think that she has, as an author, she had an awful lot of potential. An awful lot of potential. And you can see it in her writing. I mean, my thing on this is obviously, um, I'm the type of person that if I read this story, and there's... if Let me put it this way. If I hated 95% of the story, but in 5% there was one terrific scene I remember always, I would be glad I read the whole story. I think that there are points in the story where I obviously have issues. There's points in the story where, uh, you know, the dialogue is is a little too lame for me or I don't buy into the transition. And and that's fine. It's, It's a very old story, and near the end, I believe... I don't think we got to there yet, but I know it was it was updated like once a year near the end. So the so the updates were few and far between. So she may have lost some steam there, but we haven't gotten there yet. But um, the fic does many things well. Um, if I had to point to a flaw, sometimes it tries to do too many things, so it doesn't have enough opportunity to do everything as well as it could. I feel like at some point it's very sci-fi. At some point it's very. Um, much of the romance category, the, the points is very angsty, the, the points is very funny. So it's difficult to try and tell where... I feel like sometimes it's, it, it does too much stuff, so like it, I'm still trying to figure out what happened to the whole thing with the bath mat. I'm thinking that was the first fic. And the, the, I thought the crossover was going to come back, and I was waiting for it, and it never did, so obviously it didn't go there. So, I mean, there's points where it tries to do too much, but I think what it does do well, like she said, it does very, very well. I really like the relationship between Harry and Hermione because it reminds me of a lot of relationships I've had. And I understand what it's like when Harry is jealous of Ron, even though Ron just went through this awful thing, because I've done that before. So I know what that feels like. So that I would react the same way too. So I was looking for Harry to react the same way and he did. So that really mattered to me and that was a really important thing to have in there. It's just that really came true for me. So, you know, so when you know the whole scene at the end with 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 the trio back together just worked very well. 
I thought, you know, the, the, the stupid mistakes that Harry and Hermione were making and how they eventually came back together, but the mistakes worked well for me because it, it didn't seem to me to be forced. It, it did seem like they were, it was natural progression. And I don't, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying the reading experience. There's points where I'm banging my head, but if I am, I can usually laugh at it versus cringing at it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the experience that I really want to read the last few chapters and podcast on. So yeah, monologue over. Yeah. It's uh it's got quite a, I think the ending is, is, uh, is pretty good. The, the um, ending of the third fig, of course, she just posted a few months ago, and I think it would have been interesting to actually, you know, see the fully fleshed out version. But what the, what we've got is, is adequate. Um, yeah. If I may, final thoughts. Um, one of the, the things that uh, always attract me to a fic are original concepts, and you know, of course, being well written always helps. Um, and one of the things I think really stands out about this trilogy is a number of original concepts that Laurie came up with. The concept of the ID. She has great original characters. There's there's a bunch of uh, she has a lot of new magical things that she likes to do, and but she also has really good plot points. And I think the the best one, I think maybe even in the whole series, and my favorite definitely in this in this book, the um, the the middle one is the is what Her- Hermione has to give up to get Harry back. What she has to give up to get uh, the Oracle to the Oracle. Sorry, um, right. the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I got confused there. I told you. <laughs> what she has to give up to have the guardian fix Harry, and it's it's so psychological and and subtle and it's so many, but so perfect as well because it's it's such a big yeah. thing to give up. Yet she doesn't really know how much she's giving up. And honestly, the, the it could be nothing. It could be it could be thirty years. It could be one second. She has no idea. Yeah. And, uh, and she's willing to give up her life completely for him because she doesn't want to live without him but if she but her life is worth nothing life. without him like it's it's instead of instead of giving up something which have would have no value if he was gone anyway like, well at least according to herself she's giving up something that has a great deal of value to it and that's what's and yeah. and, and, the, and the fact that it's, it's it's such a big thing and the ways are down i really did like that that uh part of the fic um, i thought that was that was brilliant and you know what I loved about that? I love the scene where she previously says, I would rather live a day with you than a lifetime without you. Mm-hmm. She says that, and she means that. But now that... She gives up those that, days. But now that but now that when, when push comes to shove, does a little part of her maybe not mean that? Or is a little part of her question that? Sure, because that's what human beings do. We say, yeah. you know, I'd take a bullet for you. Okay, here comes the gun. Um, what? Hold on. Can we talk this out? I mean, people do that. So <laughs> that made sense to me that, that you would have that. So I really liked that that was in there too. I thought that was great. One other thing I wanted to talk about that was in my notes that I forgot to get to was uh, when they when they go into the domain the first time and they've got all these like, you know, ma- well manicured fountains and stuff and they're like, it's almost like Disneyland. I was I had had this just this, this weird image of like you know they're, they're looking at all the guardians walking around and one of them is in a Mickey Mouse suit suit going like, hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the it's a small world after all ride. One more scene I did love was when they need to give the dragon hound, which I thought was an interesting concept, something of Ron's to find. She gives her Valentine, and she avoids eye contact with Harry because she's embarrassed that Harry knows that she kept it. And it's it's a it's a wizarding photo, it's a wizarding uh, photo of Hermione and Ron kissing that he gave to her, and Harry remembers that that same year he gave her a term paper of his to correct. 
and I like the fact that he feels jealous. I like the fact that she kept it. I like the fact that she didn't tell him. I like the fact that Ron meant something to her. And we'll get into this next week, probably when Jen's back. But one of the things in these chapters I focused on was Jen kept asking me, why do you keep caring whether Harry Hermione works? Just accept it. Just accept it's a Harry Hermione effect. Don't worry about Ron and Hermione. That's not the story. And I'm like, yes, it is. Ron and Hermione was a very big part. This was a canon story in year six. Because the story flashes back very far. This started out chronologically as a canon story that became a Harry Hermione story. So the, how canon broke down is very relevant. So I like the fact that those details are there. Ron wasn't just some fling she had. She's kept this stuff for 11 years. That matters a lot. I really like that that was in there. And the women are asleep. So have a good night, everybody. Hey. Hold on. Yeah, you guys seem like... Hey, oh, Ryan, you, don't give you us- do realize that when you do these monologues, you know, sometimes you'll take a pause that lasts like five minutes, and then you'll keep going. <laughs> and so we tend to wait a little bit after you finish talking because we don't know if you're going to start up again, and we didn't want to interrupt you. You big fat liar, but that's okay. So do you guys have anything else you want to Okay, so what points do you guys have? I'm done for the podcast. What do you got? I'm done. I have everything I want. I made my point. I think it was a good discussion. It was fun tonight. I was excited. Good times. It was. Jen like died unfortunately like a minute and a half into it, but she's going through. She's going through some stuff. You know. Have Have a a good good night, everybody. Night. Bye. So hold on to the wonder that those books. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Yay. We're recording. We have finally done this. It has taken half an hour to get to this point. (laughs) Mine's actually recording yours. Pardon? I think mine is recording yours. Ooh, that will be exciting. It should be really fun. Mine's recording all three. Recording all three, yep. Yours is recording all three? Yeah. Oh. Welcome to the podcast. Resistance is futile. Please, turn over your thing. So we need to have one that's funny, and Hannah's breast can do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Be Our Cast. I'm Keza. I'm Zoom. And I'm Scott. We've got a whole bunch of new peons because I am the last peon standing. <laughs> we had a fantastic program all planned out. The summer was going to be wonderful. And then P.S. went to somewhere that made her sound like... <laughs> and then... Mike was attacked by a cockroach. Dude, get a roach bomb. Traumatised severely. Sadly unable to join us. <laughs> and then Gen 2 had, she went on vacation like about 70 times. Gen 2 has also had a family emergency. She was going to be here, but she's unable to join us. Not because of her S key. Her S key is fine, so there is nothing to worry about there. Her mum, she's very unwell. So what I did 
was I said, hey, Tina, can you come? And Tina said, sure. And then she can't. Hmm. So I rounded up a couple extra peons, <laughs> the last peon standing, and I've drafted some. I've brought along Scott from Canada. Hi there. I've been here in the freezing cold. It's been colder than Canada. It really has. I'm not lying. Not at all. No, it hasn't been. I have not had to chip ice off the windscreen because I've heard you had to do that in Canada. Is that true, Scott? Some places, yeah. It's been colder than it is in Canada now. Yes, because it's 36 degrees Celsius there right now and you're practically melting and I'm going, oh, that's a lovely summer's day. I wish it was 36 here. And we've got Sue who has had to put on socks because apparently summer has finished in Oregon. I don't know. What's the go with that, Sue? I don't know. We went from 100 degree days to rain and coldness. The weather is just crazy. And loving it. Today we're talking about the fic called At the Leaky by Ginger Ale. I've never seen this author before. I don't know if they've written anything before. Didn't really even check. I just really liked this one because talks about Neville. We should dedicate this to Jules, the Neville Longbottom fan club president. This one's for you. Brian is very excited by an aspect of this fic that I've spoken about. So we're going to dedicate this episode of Peoncast to Jules and the portion of the fic that excites Ryan will dedicate to him when we get to it. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I picked this fic, I wanted to do a bit of talking about Neville because he has a pretty big part in Deathly Hallows in the end. And I think the guy deserves some airtime. Yeah. He does. Neville's pretty cool. Why is Neville cool? Explain to us your theory. Oh, um, it's the whole hero's journey thing, basically. He starts out the um, timid kid who can't really do much of anything and keeps forgetting his toad and all that sort of stuff. And he ends up being one of the ones who wins the war. Without Neville's part in the last book, um, Harry wouldn't have won. He's also sort of the... Hufflepuff representative in Gryffindor, like Hermione's the Ravenclaw representative in Gryffindor. So he's cool for that, too. He's spoken as a true puff. I can see why Jules likes Neville. Like, I, at first, I was just a bit, oh, yeah, you know, Neville. But he just increased importance through the last book. Do you think that his journey, because, I mean, Harry Potter is a classic, you know, hero legend story. Legend, is that the right term? I don't know. I did children's literature, believe it or not, but I... I think I've mixed up my terms. Um, but the, the heroes, the quest, I'm thinking quest, not legend. I'm thinking quest. Merlin is a legend. Um, Harry Potter follows the, the quest theme. Do you think that Neville's journey sort of parallels Harry's? Like he goes on a similar journey to Harry? In some ways, yeah. Through the stories? Yeah. He sort of starts out being unappreciated and um, sort of marginalised. Because in Neville's case, because they think he's going to be a squib and he's not living up to his parents' legacy and such. Particularly in the first and last books, but in other places in the various books, there's something that he does that sort of contributes towards both the good of everyone and his own personal growth. Yeah, I'm trying to remember all the things I wrote down about the, the quest sort of thing. And it starts with a child who is like orphaned or something. Oh, hang on. Mr. Keza has just interrupted me. Hi, Mr. Keza. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) That happens at the end of the quest when the hero gets the girl. (laughs) But anyway, like I was trying to say, Harry fits it perfectly. He's orphaned and 
what they have to do is the archetype is they, they are usually an orphaned child or, or baby who is pushed somewhere sort of away from the action, away from the world. And what they have to do is they grow up, they find themselves, come into this world and they do like overcome a death of some description, I think is how it is. Um, I, or, or confronted or something. I, um, I think I'm probably mixing up all the things, but Harry Potter is very classic, this, this archetype. But I think Neville, you can see the parallels with Neville because he's, he's not orphaned, but you know, his, his childhood is, um, he doesn't, his parents this, aren't part of his childhood because no, they're not dead, he, but he, they're not there either in the same way. And how he's raised is not your typical sort of raising and, and, and basically they have to go through. It's a transformation of some kind. Um, I'm trying to do this without my notes when I know what I'm talking about and I sound like an absolute idiot. But trust me, mm-hmm. it's all very yeah, literary. I've, I've looked at that as well. That was in our English classes. We went through that with yes. the Odyssey and the things like that because they go through yeah. the hero's journey as well. It's more literal in his yeah. case because he's actually sailing around various islands. and you know. But uh, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Because there's only a, there is actually only a set number of, of stories, but it's the way that they're told, and they're all told differently. And I think the thing that I like about Neville is that it's telling it, – it is the same story in a way, but um, how Neville deals with it. And I quite like how he is obviously a really strong character in Deathly Hallows, and we don't get to see it because we're with Harry and Ron and Hermione in the tent – but I think Neville's actually been quite the hero at Hogwarts that year. That's what I like to think. Maybe I'll one day I'll write the fic about it. I don't know. Right now oh, I'm in the middle of something it. else. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have started it, but not many people have finished the sort of outtake story of Deathly Hallows at Hogwarts that year. I have not managed to find someone that's actually continued it, which I find sad. There's because one I'd like that to I read can a think take of. On that. Yeah? I think it's called Ginny's DA. And it follows her and Neville oh, okay. whilst the other ones are off hunting the Horcruxes. It was started before Deathly Hallows came out, so it doesn't follow exactly what everything that happened. Oh, okay. But then they sort of because I think I remember and, that one. Yeah, maybe it did get finished, but maybe that's what it was. I don't think I've read a post Deathly Hallows one that's actually been continued. There's a lot of post Deathly Hallows fix that were abandoned yeah. a lot. I don't know if that happened after Half Blood Prince as well because I wasn't you know in the fandom, but. It's actually a bit frustrating, but that's another topic. So we will not talk about that. We will talk I know about that Jules <laughs> has one, just a, a one shot of him. Yes, um, really fortifying good. the keep. Yes. So if you want to read more Neville, read that. Maybe I'll put a link to it. And who better to read it from? That's right. Because this episode of Peoncast is dedicated to Jules because we're talking about Neville. We should probably talk about the story, not just <laughs> Neville, because we did say. <laughs> it's that's true. okay. The story. So. The first thing that happens in this fic, and this is the part that we're going to dedicate to Ryan, <laughs> which he's probably going to kill me for. <laughs> is that Neville decides he's somewhat obsessed with Hannah Abbott's breasts. Apparently they are smaller than Madame Rosberta's. So I think we can deduct that Neville's been looking <laughs> and comparing breasts all this time. Not so innocent anymore. <laughs> no. It says a few lines later, it says... One of the best things about being as plain and nice as he was, he could be as randy and perverted as the next boy, but no one would ever suspect him. <laughs> <laughs> I never suspected Neville. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. But honestly, I, I, 
I mean, I'm in, I'm plain and nice, and I know that. Well, I don't think about breasts, but <laughs> <laughs> not usually anyway. But I don't. It's true. We have this perception that if someone's a bit of, I mean, maybe a nerd or something, that they maybe don't have those kind of thoughts about people, but they obviously do. I mean, Neville clearly does. <laughs> especially so the reason. That- Especially in this fic. But, no, there's more to the fic than Hannah's breasts, but we need to get that part out of the way so that we can concentrate on the rest of the fic. I like the way he says Hannah was a good friend, which made him feel bad about perving on her. And he was 26, and so crude thoughts about the opposite sex could not be excused. (laughs) So he's rationalising it. I think it's kind of funny that in all this, he's saying that he can be randy and perverted and he's 26. He says, it's impossible that she didn't know any bar top cleaning charms because the reason that he can, you know, see them is because she's leaning over cleaning tables in the leaky cauldron. That's why it's called at the leaky because that's where they are. And she owned a pub. So how could she not know any bar top cleaning charms? And Neville thought he should remind her of one so she wouldn't have to bend low and wipe the counter the mug away. And I'm thinking, does it ever occur to Neville that she's doing it on purpose? Because I don't, I don't know that he's worked that out. I mean, wouldn't you be able to work that out? Yeah, that was my thought too. It's obvious to the reader, but I think it's actually kind of, it makes the fic more interesting and that little bit more funny because... He doesn't quite get it. No, and that's what makes the fic sort of funny gives it its humor because he just doesn't quite get it (laughs) so that is uh, the part that we are going to dedicate to ryan (laughs) i'm sure he's delighted (laughs) (laughs) well i need to explain this ryan is not obsessed with hannah's breast that's not what this is about well he could be he didn't share that with me but When we were started to, to attempt this, he said, you know, with all the things that have gone wrong, at least we still have breasts. And this is true. <laughs> so, and now I'm giggling like a 12-year-old. <laughs> oh, well. Now, was anyone else surprised by Neville getting together with Hannah? Because I was. I was like, Hannah? Like, I know who she is, but I was a bit like, Hannah who? I don't know. Um, it's one that had come up before. I hadn't thought of it just coming out of Deathly Hallows, but um, in fix post um, Order of the Phoenix or Half-Blood Prince, people would sometimes put them together. Okay. That or Susan. They seem to like putting Neville with Hufflepuffs because he's got some of those qualities, I guess. I hadn't thought of that. See, I can't imagine him with a Slytherin. Can you imagine putting him with Daphne Greengrass? Like, we don't know much about her, but he needs a nice sort of soft girl and I guess you think Hufflepuffs are because Lavender's a bit oh she's not Neville <laughs> she's a bit, a bit you know what I mean like the girls in Gryffindor are probably a bit harsh for Neville I think that's what it is like not that they're not lovely girls I'm sure they're lovely we get a little glimpse of Ravenclaw with Padma and how, how they are whereas the Hufflepuff girls you don't really get to see and you're left with this impression that they're sort of soft and nice and lovely maybe that's why people put them with Neville I don't know because mm-hmm. he needs a nice girl yeah something like that Perhaps. It mentions that in here, actually. Yeah. He sort of compares Hannah with Ginny a little bit, because apparently they both have freckles. But otherwise, um, they're not much alike, because, um, well, he goes into Hannah's blonde and Ginny's not, but uh, mostly it's that Ginny has this sort of tired, um, slightly hardened edge, because she's had to 
fight off six brothers all her life. Hannah just has this sort of open, welcome face that loves everybody sort of thing. And I think that goes with her being the barmaid and with the leaky because that's the sort of person you'd be to run a pub. So That's true. That's logical. That makes sense. The other thing that I found that I really liked about this fic was it explained it because I was sort of like, oh, he got together with Hannah. Oh, okay. Whereas this author has found a way to make that realistic because it mm-hmm. talks about Neville coming to, from visiting his parents. He comes into the leaky and a lot of people have gone to somewhere else because Tom died and, and whatever. And he sort of makes a connection with Hannah over her losses mm-hmm. and they, they have that conversation. Yeah. I'm just trying to find. They don't feel the need to fill each other's silences. and They've says, gotten very comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. And it says somewhere here, they didn't necessarily talk about Hannah's past. It just sort of little bits would come up here and there. She'd mentioned she learned a recipe when she was working for a baker one time, and she mentioned something about Venemus Tentacula, which um, I'm sure caught his interest because he's all into herbology, and it just sort of Um, comes up as they go. Yeah, she starts teaching him to dance, and if we ignore all the bits where he's worried about his nether regions and her breasts (laughs) and get to the heart of it, I had to bring it up. I couldn't help it. I'm 12 today. Um, <laughs> she says how she misses her mum and dad and her brother. Apparently she has a brother named no, Henry. No, Tom. No, she's got Henry. She's missing Tom. Tom left her the leaky because he had no children. He, she's the closest thing to a daughter. So she probably feels of him as the father, fatherly sort of figure as well. She misses him and her parents. It says Neville could only pat her back and make shushing sounds. He understood what she meant, of course but there would never be enough comfort in words for how they felt. He still had his parents, but he missed them, although he didn't really know what to miss. There was just this terrible, achy feeling in his heart and throat whenever he was in their hospital room making rapper art or whenever he thought of them. So I think they've sort of found a bond because I don't think Harry feels, as much as people draw the comparisons between Harry and Neville, I don't think that Neville and Harry actually have as much in common as a lot of people tend to to Mm -hmm. think. Because, um, because Neville does have his parents, even though he doesn't. But he was raised in a home where he knew that he'd been loved by his parents and knew who his parents were and was told about them and their their bravery and all that, whereas Harry had none of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I sense? think Neville also um, misses them more because he has that sort of they're there but they're not and he goes to yeah. see them every Christmas yeah. and such where – Harry misses the idea of having parents and the fact that he doesn't know things about his parents, but he never did know them, so he's not actually, it's not something he's lost, yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Harry doesn't seem to miss his parents, but the, the way that he misses Sirius is very different to the way that he misses his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, because he had a connection with Sirius and they got to know him for a while before. But even that's not the same as the way Neville misses his parents. Like, I mean, no one can ever be the same, but I think that um, in this fic, Neville, Neville and Hannah sort of come, come close to it. I found it interesting, actually. This has got nothing to do with the fic, but that's okay. I'm the host. I can do what I like. In <laughs> Deathly Hallows, <laughs> this is how I justify everything. I could do what I like. In Deathly Hallows, when he sees them from the Resurrection Stone, I think it's interesting that he, it, J.K., Joe, whatever you want to call her, the author person, Wrote the book. That one, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going all tongue tied today. She she makes the point that um, 
Harry could just stand there and look at his mother and that would be enough because I think back to Goblet of Fire when he, they came out of the wand, but, you know, he's in deathly immediate danger and he didn't have time to look at his parents. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost like a bookend to the first book where he goes to the mirror and he just spends hours looking at his parents because he never had had them. Right. And then, and it didn't, yeah. And then in Deathly Hallows, it's interesting. And it could never be enough in the first book, in book one. And Dumbledore had to take the mirror away so that he wouldn't sort of, you know, lose himself because it wasn't ever enough. But by the end of Deathly Hallows, it is enough that he could just look at her. And I just think that's really cool. And it just shows how different it is. Getting back to the actual point, this is, I do have a point. Neville, um, he can just look at his mum. And so he has their different feelings that he has for um for missing his parents. I think that's one of the things that this fic brings out. We see the transformation of Harry um, changes about how he feels about his parents through through the seven books, and you sort of don't even find out about Neville's parents until like book five, and he's still very wary and anxious about it. And this is sort of, this fix sort of rounds it off a little bit how Neville deals with it. Does that make sense? I can sense? see that, yeah. It does. Oh, good. But, I mean, that's why I picked this fic, because it stood out to me as talking about how Neville felt and giving a real reason for him to have gotten together with Hannah, because I know that when I heard that, I was like, huh, okay. But, <laughs> but it, I like when authors can take a character and really build them, because in fanfic, we're dealing with a lot of established characters, but there's some characters that have no, no real character. So I can admire a author that can take one of these characters and give them a personality, give them expand their character and make it sound really believable and, and in keeping with, with the canon and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and, and at the end of the fic, it actually goes back to Hannah's breasts. <laughs> it mentions that he's proud of himself for not being obsessed yes. with them when they're this close to him. No, but I think the most important thing that we have to get out of this part of it, because we have dwelt quite a lot on Hannah's breasts, um, but that's okay because so did Neville. Um, ben says at the end, there really was much more than breasts made him like Hannah, and he promised to find out about all those things starting now. <laughs> But he'd tell her about the bar top cleaning charm later. <laughs> I think he may, I, I'm still not 100% sure that he's worked out why she hasn't used the cleaning charm. He still seems a little clueless. I don't know. In conclusion here, we, as I sound like <laughs> giving a speech, in conclusion, <laughs> we at Peoncast believe that Neville has a lot of depth and that he grows throughout the series and that we would like to read more Neville. And next week, it was going to be the Prongs Complex. We've been trying to record this all year. It's a very um, fluffy, fun little Marauder era fic that Tina has chosen. And every time we try and record it, this is about the fifth time, I think, we have tried to record it. It has still not happened. Therefore, I believe next week is Snape Hermione, I think. On Peoncast. 
stay tuned for um, people who are Harry Ginny shippers discussing Snape Hermione. Yes, I believe we're bringing Julia along um, because the rest of us will be sitting there scowling. <laughs> so we're going to say um, good night. Bye. Good night, everyone. I'm gonna keep on loving you. It's better if you're drunk. Cause it's, it's the only thing I wanna do. do. <laughs> I don't wanna sleep. sleep. I just wanna keep on loving you. Okay, I am Ryan. so cl- I was so close to hitting stop record right when you started. I'm like, no, let's record just a little bit longer.